0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Developing Palettes. I'm Aaron Loomis coming to you from the Drew Estate Studio. And with me today is John McTavish from the Pestania Studio. How are you doing, John?
1: Doing better, man. I'm, I'm finally getting my sleep cycles in order. You know, uh, my, my watch started to alarm on the weekend because uh, it was like, man, you're sleeping more than five hours a night. What's going on? And I'm like, well, you know, we're getting the, getting the brain pan back into order so I can actually think and, and do work and... uh yeah, it feels good. It feels good. It was a safe and uneventful flight home, uh which is good when you're dealing with Canadian border services. You never know what you're going to get.
0: Uh true. Um I will say that uh I mean, I didn't have as big of a problem as Ben Lee did, but uh flight home was uh a bit eventful. We had some delays and things of that nature, and I think a lot of people had that. So, um, you know, air travel I guess is going downhill with a lot of other things post-COVID here, so uh yeah that's all I'll say about that um all right so we um have a little show going on tonight um hopefully we can find some things to talk about and some Wait, people not, to talk about it with us
1: we're not doing cigar reviews tonight
0: mm, no nah, I don't think so oh okay. well, we're gonna do some reviews but probably not scars are probably the least least of the reviews part right. um uh but we have a full panel tonight uh we're doing our annual pca recap show um we're just back uh the show wrapped up on Tuesday. Um, Give everybody a chance to settle in, hopefully uh, heal up a bit and uh, be able to spend some time um, kind of chatting about that tonight. So uh, I'm just going to introduce people as they show up on my screen. uh, And uh, it may be different for other people, but we'll go this way. Uh, First off, uh, from Blue Smoke of Dallas and also a PC board member, Jay Davis. Thank you for joining, Jay.
2: Thank you for inviting me. Uh,
0: From Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, Steve Saka. How are you doing, Steve? Would not miss this cluster muck for anything. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure how to introduce you, Mike. Um, Cigar Hustler, uh, Pistania, the number
3: one podcast. I, I don't really know
0: how to introduce you in this, in this arena, I mean, you but could say,
3: you could say number one podcast. That's perfect. Okay, there,
0: there you go. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go. So, Mike Trepikevich, thank
3: you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We have a buzzer for like after people exceed their time limits and move on with this panel, just out of curiosity.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. If you want to speak, just buzz in and we'll we'll move it along. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Uh, from Tatawahi, we have Pete Johnson. Thanks for joining us, Pete. What's up, guys? Nice to be here. Uh, from Cigar Coop, William Cooper. How are you doing, Will? Hey guys. And then from Smoke In, we have Brandy. Uh, sorry, I mean Abe. <laughs> he chose his Brandy on the thing. <laughs> How you doing, well, Abe?
4: So, so I'm change his name. Unmute,
5: Abe. Unmute, <laughs> unmute. Uh, I ended up having to use my wife's computer. <laughs> That's okay. No worries.
3: Okay. At least that... Is the uh,
6: McAllen speaking
3: again?
5: <laughs> not, not yet. I just just cracked it, so not not yet. Not yet. It's good. I'll get there.
0: So I do want to thank all of you for uh, taking your personal time to join us tonight. Uh, I know, it's, you know, getting back from the trade show, people still entering orders, probably uh, recapping what they bought uh, and things of that nature. But uh, we really appreciate you um, spending some time with us tonight. Um, the way I would like to start it off uh, again is kind of talking about, um, I guess, kind of what what your thought process was leading into the show. So, you know, we're not we're not at the show yet, but we're getting we're getting up to that point. Um and I, I think I'm gonna start on the retail side um this time. So Jay and Abe, you can kind of jump in as, as you think, but kind of leading into this trade show, what were your thoughts on you know what you might expect from it or what 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 were your goals um heading into the trade show? Like, did you have a specific brands you wanted to see? Were there certain areas that you were focused on, or how how did that work?
2: I'll let Abe go first.
5: Uh, um going to the trade show for me is kind of a, a refined thing at this Point in my career so you know i have a team that kind of goes there and does really the heavy lifting they do all the ordering the day-to-day stuff whatever I- i'll usually go to a trade show with you know a list of projects i'd like to put together and sometimes it's a really good time to kind of sit with some of these guys um and and talk about things while i have their attention and um i i kind of uh spend most of my time on the floor doing that and of course this year pete and i had our own little project that we are working on so a lot of my a little bit of my focus was making sure that went over smoothly. But you know, a trade show for me really is more project oriented, you know, kind of planning out the year ahead more than it is day to day. There are a couple of companies every year that might be on our radar that I might just drop by and want to see. And I think there's two this year that we stopped by and, and, and looked at. But um, it's a lot simpler for me to go to a trade show these days than it was like, you know, 10, 15 years ago.
0: All right, Jay, how about you?
2: Well, I usually start planning about a month ahead of time. I look at my sales for the prior year and and kind of figure out based upon just by the companies and how they sell uh, an aggregate budget and then break it down. And then I kind of tweak with brands that I think that are growing and brands that our customers are excited about. And then where brands are not doing as well, I might tweak down the, the budget or with certain brands that are growing or doing very well. I'll increase the budget. And then I have to compare that with what I actually have cash-wise. So generally when I come into the show, I'm pretty much prepared what I'm going to spend, but I also have a slush fund if I decide that there's something really exciting that I want to get, or if there's a new brand or a new line that I wasn't aware of, and then I can sort of make adjustments. And to me, that's, for me, that's a successful trade show is not falling behind the eight ball and cash flow.
0: Right. And Mike, you could probably chime in a little bit because you're doing some of the retail side of things. you, you have, kind of putting your retailer hat on, do you have a kind of a game plan going into the trade show? Uh,
3: I mean, not really. I know who I'm going to buy with, you know, it's going to be the same guys that I usually buy with. I'm not really dabbling into anybody new because you kind of already have your horses picked. Right. Um, You know, I mean, Sokka took all my money, that rat bastard. (laughs) He he was, he was, it was good. It was a good plan. It was was brilliant. I'm like, how much are we at? Like, God damn. Okay. Fine. Um, You know, your foundation, your Fuentes, like all of them. So, that was pretty much, it was just a given. You knew it was going to happen, you know, right. and the good manufacturers and uh, brand owners know how to squeeze you just for a little bit more. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. <laughs> really want those unicorns? I'm like, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> All
0: right, Stephen, Pete, uh, kind of what's your game plan going, heading into the trade show or what you, what were you planning or what did you want the guys, guess, convey at the trade show? And, and were you able, were you able to kind of make that happen leading, you know, leading up to it?
6: Steve,
7: (laughs) Um, Look, I'm always running like a bastard to get to the trade show. No matter how much I think I'm prepared, I'm never prepared. I mean, I was in Nico the week before playing Mule to bring samples up because stuff came DHL to get rejected by DHL to get sent back to Nicaragua. I mean, I'm already working on the projects for the next trade show. So for me, it's kind of like, fuck, I'm finally here. Can't wait to get it over with because you got to go to the next thing. So as anyone can attest to, I pretty much spend three and a half, well, really four days just completely drunk. So really the planning of four bottles that I'm going to have in my booth is probably the most important thing for me to do at the trade show because I don't do any selling at the trade show. The cake is already baked for me when I get there. It's all about my people. And hopefully I didn't screw them over and give them a lot of dogs to work with. And the other thing, too, that I do a lot of trade show is I do a lot of media. Um, And you guys know this. I do Mm -hmm. 18 to 20 media sit downs. Um, I take advantage of that because they're all there. I'm there. I got all the new products to talk about. And that's another reason why I have to be drunk the whole time, because it's really hard to not say the same stupid shit 20 times in a row. So I have to try to have fresh stupid shit to say 20 different times. So um my my approach to the trade show is I don't know that it's the same as a lot of other manufacturers because I'm I'm really heavily focused on media and taking photos and kissing babies and all of that kind of stuff more than the the stuff that you would think um somebody would be doing plus to the sales team they don't want me talking anything about sales at all because they know I'm going to end up alienating more customers than gaining. <laughs> so the less I'm involved with the the day-to-day grind of the accounts is probably the best.
0: All right, Pete, how about you?
6: I'm a, I'm a little bit of the same, but um, I just kind of walk in circles most mm-hmm. of the trade show. I mean, if you saw me, I mean, you guys ran into me a few times. I just keep on walking in circles and forget I have a meeting right uh, but there's never with uh meeting the retailers because you know my brother and dan and a few of the other guys take care of all that stuff i usually feel like i get in the way so mm-hmm. i try to avoid being in the booth um unless it's for the media stuff but um no yeah like steve said i we we go in going okay we're here thank god we had bands to put on the samples and, uh, yeah, we have, we have 2024 already ready, but, uh, let's figure out how to get out of this show with, with having a good time. And, and ultimately, you know, I'm there to, to talk to people and, and hang out and be bartender. Uh, when again, I usually get in the way trying to sell something okay. or I'll get angry about selling something that, which is never a good look inside of a trade show. booth.
0: <laughs> sure. Uh, all right, Mike, again to you, uh, what, what's your uh, kind of lead in going into the trade show at the booth? Uh,
3: well, I mean, I was really excited this year because of what I was releasing. And I unfortunately am a lot smaller than these guys. So I write all of my orders and deal with all the retailers, which is a double-edged sword. Because, you know, you get to have that experience at one-on-one time, uh, which which I appreciate. And then, but then sometimes you come across some of those retailers just like, get me the hell out of here, man. Why am I, why am I stuck talking to this dude? But in general, you know, I mean, I like to learn and, and, and it, I feel like I have the same conversation every year, especially with Skip's like, all right, what did we do wrong? What can we fix? What can we do better? You know? And then hopefully you address all of those things before the next show. Now, I mean, the clock is ticking. It's going to be in March instead of July. So, so there's that, but you know, a lot of these guys, they're so well seasoned that, all the orders are pretty much done beforehand or, you know, the, the appointments are ironed out and, you know, your retailers are showing up and, you know, they're all the guys that are the good accounts for you. So, uh, you know, I have some great accounts. I have some okay accounts, you know, so you got to go through all of it, unfortunately, and I get to experience every every bit of it. So,
0: yeah. All right. Coop, let's hit the media side. So le- go leading into the trade show, what's your kind of strategy of going in there and, and how you want to tackle it? And you got to unmute yourself, too. There you uh, go. I know this is your For first him, time on a podcast, but... but right, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Thanks,
4: Aaron. <laughs> um, look, a couple of years ago, we added the video component. We weren't doing video until two years ago. And what we learned two years ago is video is expensive, video is time-consuming. So our goal is, we've set some goals up front that we're not going to video every booze. We Our goal is to hit about 70 booze, and then 50 of those about video. Um, and because we know sometimes we are just not going to catch someone in a booth or whatever. So we hit those goals this year, which was good. Um, I don't, we were a man down this year for most of the show. Cause Aaron Nielsen had to go home unexpectedly for family reasons. Um, but I thought we, I thought from the coop team, we were the best prepared we ever were going into a show. Like there's always something that was going wrong beforehand. And, and this year I felt like we were pretty well prepared. And, um, you know, as far, as far as that list goes, There's always someone, unfortunately, who's going to get missed. And it's unfortunate. And I try to catch up with people after the show we missed just to catch up. So it's not like we we try to eliminate anyone. But we just learned very quickly. We can't do every booth at the show. Um, And the way we work is everyone has a specialized role at the booth. So there's four people with four different roles. So
0: I think we did well this year as far as prep going into it. Nice. And then, Mike, you guys were kind of helping out some of the – People on the podcast network kind of getting some FaceTime with some uh the people that you already have relationships with?
3: Yeah. You know, that was harder because there's just so much going on in the show, you know. So I didn't really have that in mind. That wasn't my intention. But, you know, when they would circle, circle around and meet people, they'd get nervous. I'm like, okay, bro, let's go. So I would leave and then uh, introduce them to people because, you know, at the end of the day, everybody in this industry is pretty approachable. You know, we're all kind of in it for the same thing. And, you just got to break that ice. So I have no problem going and saying, Hey, this is so-and-so. And, you know, and they were really excited to meet Steve. And, uh, you know, they really wanted to meet Nick and, you know, a handful of dudes that they felt a little intimidated by. So I had to run away real quick and, and go and, uh, make the introduction. So, you know, they're, they're getting going They're They're, they're good guys, man. They have a great podcast. It's a lot of fun. They're, you know, they're cops up in Buffalo, which makes it even funnier. So anything I can do to help them. I'm I'm always down with
0: that. Uh, John, what did you do to prep for the show?
1: Less prep than I normally do, which was a little disappointing for me from a, you know, normally I like to go into the show with a list of booths and I'm pre prepared with questions and a list of new cigars, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like this year I was probably the least prepared I've been in a long time. And that's largely due to work. Uh, But fortunately my partner, my, my, my cigar boss is always prepared. So, you know, all I had to do is sling the camera around and take pictures, which was nice. Um, but you know, I think for us at developing palettes, I think every year it's kind of, you know, there's obviously the major brands we want to hit, and that's kind of a a must do. And then we're always looking for, I don't want to say diamonds in the rough, but we're looking for the smaller brands that aren't necessarily getting the love from cigar media that they should be. And and I want to credit Coop because Coop, uh, sort of had this really great pilot project this year where he was doing feature articles on sort of brands under the radar. And I think that's really important because the shelf life of a new brand can be very short and they need, you know, all the support and love they can get. Um, so we, you know, we are certainly able to do that, but it, it always feels like no matter how much walking we do on the floor, no matter how many booths we meet, I always kind of feel like we fall short and i'm probably always going to feel that way you know even if we were to hit 700 exhibitors i feel like we would we would still fall short you know what i mean what about you
0: yeah i mean um, I, my main focus going into the trade show is trying to be on top of everything that's been announced so far so that i have an idea walking into a booth what i'm look you know i want to look for the new stuff that's announced so that we can see it and we can ask questions towards that so that's my main focus is to be on top of that and a lot of that's i Somehow keep it in my head. Um, cause I used to come out, walk around with a, a list on paper, but I've kind of gotten away from that. So I feel like I'm staying on top of it. So I, that's kind of where I'm like walking into the booth and like, John, I'm kind of pointing you, <laughs> pointing you out, like this is, this is what you should be shooting and stuff like that. But, um, that's kind of my focus is I just want to, you know, see the new stuff, talk about the new stuff. But most of it's, uh, you know, us trying to keep, you know, maintain relationships or create new relationships with brands that we haven't talked to before. So, um, that's, that's usually the focus kind of going into it for me. So, um, yeah, I think it, that, that, part of it went well. Um, all right. So let's kind of get into the actual, like kind of start of the trade show. And this is not to, uh, discount, uh, what you guys do in regards to setup, because I know that's when the real kind of trade show stuff starts, but, um, the, the kind of the, the seminar day, um, that launches, you know, the day before the trade show actually kind of kicks in. Um, I know Manufacturers exhibitors are typically still setting up and things like that. They can't really attend that. But on the retail side, and I know on the media side, were you guys able to attend any of the the kind of the seminar events leading up to the the trade show? I know Jay, I saw you there. So yep. yeah. Um, So start out with the JC Newman Handrolled uh, Docu Series episode. Um, I thought it was very well done. Kind of very much in the same vein as the original Handrolled documentary. Um, kind of had that same kind of blow and feel to it. um Just curious, any other, anybody else's thoughts on on what they saw there?
4: You know, Aaron, I, my thoughts were it was great, and if I was a cigar company, I'd be calling these guys do it do it for my facility. This that was there was I kn- thought I knew JC Newman too, and there were things I learned out of that thing that I didn't know. So, right. uh, I thought it was excellent done, and from what I understand, it was a rough cut too. I, mean, it was, I thought it was a pretty
1: good rough. Yeah, cut I think
0: and, Jesse said they were like editing it like till two or three yeah. in the morning, like the night yeah, before, before, yeah, to get it so, yeah, ready
1: to go.
4: They did yeah. a great
0: job with it, yeah. Yeah.
1: So they'll they'll fit right into the cigar industry, obviously. <laughs> um I, I don't know if you guys remember, I mean, I'm sure you remember when the original handroll documentary came out, I, I thought it was possibly one of the most influential in terms of how people went into the show. They went into the show a lot more positive, you know, because there could be a lot of sort of yep. crankiness that that day one where people are settling in and, and feeling out the show and you're not quite sure what kind of, uh, atmosphere you're going to get. And I, and I feel like they kind of did that again this year where they brought maybe too much positivity based on how people were dragging in the next morning. But, um, you know, I thought it was a lot of great energy and then you followed up with what I thought was two very well done blending seminars, which I wasn't quite sure what we're going to be in for. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, you know, obviously anytime you give me out free cigars, people descend like locusts, but, I think it did go beyond that because I thought the panelists did a really good job. I mean, you've got some really, really, really smart and really high-level people up on stage. Uh, you know, and it's one of those things where you wish you could give them four hours, but they got to sort of pump it out in an hour. So, um, given the time frame they had, I thought those seminars were very well received.
4: Yeah, and in fact, you know, normally when those seminars go on, sometimes you are like get this person off. It's all- no one was doing that. These were very these seminars were really keeping your interest the whole time. In fact, I wish they could have been longer in both cases.
0: Yeah, I felt like the attendance was quite high compared to previous oh, years. Yeah. They did a seminars, good job with that. Right?
4: Yep. Definitely.
0: Yeah. Cause I, I, I mean, especially when anything had to do with, uh, you know, FDA or regulation, that was a ghost town and those, Sessions most of the time. But um, you know, starting last year when they had the, the kind of the Fuente blending thing, that, that kind of pumped it up a lot. And then like I like you said, John, I think free free cigars. You, you, you get these guys to show up for anything if you just say that they're gonna be, give you a cigar oh. at the door. So gang tackle. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um okay, yeah, I thought the I thought the seminars were were really good as well. Um I initially thought the Toscano one leading up to it was supposed to be more of a blending thing, but it was, um, it was fine for what it was, um, kind of a, more of a, you know, commercial for the the brand, which it's, it's okay. I guess if you're sponsoring something like that and doing that spot, but, um, and then the panel with, um, the guys up there after that, um, was really good. I mean, obviously you have a ton of knowledge on the stage and, um, obviously you can talk about whatever and, uh, Michael kind of moderating that. Uh, it does a great job, so that's that's just really well done. And uh, yep. you know, you you are gonna you are gonna fill that hour pretty easily in that scenario. Um, all right, after those, then they had the annual meeting that opened up, kind of the same kind of format as as previously, kind of going over to the financials, um, board members, and things like that. Um, yeah, any thoughts on that? It, it just seemed kind of pretty much par for the course in regards to that type of a session.
4: Well, I'll say it just come out and say the reason why you went to new orleans right i mean they they basically couldn't get vegas but they kind of went with this whole other spin with it like why they were going with new orleans and i think everyone pretty much knew they couldn't get vegas and i just wish they would have said that it just to me everyone just saw it was dancing at that point
6: well could we not get vegas or was it the the fact that that they were looking for another venue because people were Some people are getting tired of the same place every year. I mean, shit, we've been in Vegas for how many years now? And you remember, they put out a mass, like, let's say, email blast out to the the stratosphere. And they wait for people to come back and say, yeah, we'll take you. And the reality is not a lot of people will take us. So, And I think people want to mix it up. I, I don't really know. Jay, you could answer this better. Can you tell us board secrets? Did they did they do New Orleans because they couldn't get Vegas, or was it because they needed a change of scenery? Uh,
2: I think it was a combination of things. Uh, there was, there were some opportunities in Vegas, uh, particularly with a multi year contract with the Sands around July fourth, um, and there were a couple other venues that just didn't quite work. And the, the Las Vegas Convention Center, having um, they're updating that, so that that limited some things. Um, I will say this, that when uh, Scott Pierce and Greg Zimmerman went to uh, wrap up the 2024 show plans in Vegas, and they went to New Orleans, they came back on Club 9. They had a very positive visit. Uh, New Orleans um, is willing to work with us. Um, I will just say anecdotally, and this is not the position of the board, but You know, people are complaining about Las Vegas. I mean, about New Orleans because there's no place to smoke after the trade show. Where in Vegas can you smoke? You have, I have sore feet still from standing at Bar Luca and dealing with rude waitresses. So the options of smoking in Vegas aren't that great. I mean, I could spend a half an hour and walk over to Treasure Island and they have like really, their service is really apathetic. So I think that there's some things that New Orleans wants to do for us. Um, and, one thing that we've learned is change is good. I think if things were perfect, um, we'd do seven or eight years out of every 10 in Vegas and then a couple of years someplace else. And so right now, in New Orleans, unlike a lot of places, is willing to work with us.
1: I will say, Jay, I do appreciate that we're, you know, I know, uh, Coop, you get a little frustrated sometimes when we're too focused on sort of two years down the road instead of the next year. But I do appreciate that the conversation is we're not just talking about the next trade show. We're talking about sort of the roadmap of, you yeah. know, two years down the road and then kind of thinking ahead three, three years down the road, because obviously as media, you know, for us, it's not super complete; It's not super complicated. You get on a plane, you get there for the exhibitors it's a whole different thing you need to be thinking about this stuff 12, 18, 24 months in advance. So, you know, if you can kind of get a sense of, okay, well, you know, you know, it's coming up in March, it's going to be a quick turnaround. However, now, you know, to plan for April in new Orleans in 2025. Um, and that gives you perhaps a little bit of extra breathing room to, to sort of think about your strategy and, you know, some time to, to sort of work on that, which I think is, that's positive. That's for, for looking, I think in that way is, is a good way to handle it even if I might disagree with New Orleans.
7: I actually don't think it matters because the good retailers are going to go wherever the show is. Good people come to the show because they understand the importance of the show. So therefore if it's in Vegas, the good people are coming to Vegas. If it's in new Orleans, the the real people that are actively part of the industry. I know there's a lot of doors. There's a lot of people that sell cigars, but there aren't a lot of tobacconists left in the world anymore, or people that actually care about the products they curate and put in their shops and honestly, look, the food's fantastic in New Orleans. My complaint to Scott is not, it's not even a complaint. My issue has always been the same. If we're going to New Orleans, can we please stay in New Orleans another year? Okay. Because it just costs so much to move everything, the logistics of it all. So I'm, I'm happy to be in New Orleans for two, three years, then go someplace else. I just don't, luckily, I have one of the lighter booths. Um, Pete, your booth has gotten much lighter. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you're kind of that way. But I mean, it's gonna like I already know that like all my Bob's Discount Furniture, it's going in the trash after the trade show next year. I'm gonna go buy. I'm gonna go buy what? I guess uh, uh, give me a give me a Cajun name. I need a Cajun names Discount Furniture, and I'm gonna go to New Orleans. And I'm gonna buy new. I'm gonna buy new cheap leather sofas and new cheap dining room tables there. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like you said, John. The planning part is really important because the costs are crazy. I mean. And, going, and I got to tell you, this July 4th thing, you have no idea what a crusher it is for the manufacturers. I spent literally to ship stuff to the trade show to hit the target dates because of the holiday. I spent over $14,000 in freight and shipping expenses to get stuff to the trade show on Target Time. Now, part of that's because I'm running behind. So part of that's my fault. But another part is just having that holiday, like literally the day before you're supposed to absolutely hit a target date for moving. It's just a logistical nightmare. And it's been that way so bad. So going to the spring to spring, I'm happy to go to Cleveland. I'm happy to go to Topeka. I'm happy to go to a field in the middle of South Dakota. You know what I mean? I I, I really I I I don't I think good people that are part of our industry are gonna go wherever the trade show is. And Lord knows none of us don't like to eat. And damn, the food is fine in New Orleans. So I'm gonna enjoy it.
1: Hey.
4: We have the inside track guys with Ben, you know, with the food. So, yeah, we're going to have. I I,
5: I, I just been saying that forever. I mean, I just, I I think the the real retailers are going to go and treat it like business, like it's supposed to be. And whether it's in New Orleans or Vegas or whatever, you know, if you're going to go, you're going to go. You know, I I think Steve's on point with that, you know. Um, I'm just a little concerned because there's, there's an expected extra million people there that weekend. That's a lot of people for a small town. They got the they got the uh, French Quarter Festival that weekend, and that's a big influx of that town. So mm. that's my concern, only concern for 2025. I could care less about anything else. I just think it was going to make everything a little bit more, more hectic than it already is
0: for that town. You may get a little bit of a uh, heads up on that for Vegas because it's March Madness uh, for the show next year as well. So you get to see yep. what that added yep. chaos yep. is like. I guess heading into yeah. it. You know,
5: the, so. thing about, the thing about Vegas is it's 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 really spread out in a lot of yeah. different places. Yeah. So March Magnets is going to happen everywhere. Right. Yeah. And there's yeah. going to be an influx of a lot of people, but spread out probably in 15 different locations. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans is not that big.
6: Yeah. 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 We, we, we had the summer league again in Vegas and we had a fight weekend in Vegas. It's, you don't feel it in Vegas yeah. because yeah, it's so big. Yeah. But New Orleans, like Abe is saying, is super tiny.
5: And and, and, uh, and you're yeah. expecting almost a million people for that question.
6: Well, I mean, here's the saving grace, uh, Abe, is I'm sure that the PCA uh, blocked off a big old block of rooms and we won't be paying that extra million people price point, hopefully.
4: Jay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll ask Jay this question. Why was Palm Sunday two years in a row for the trade show it's going to be? Because that, in my part of the country, that's kind of a big deal for people. Like, it's two Palm Sundays in a row. Are, are people only religious in your part of the country? Well, wow. no, but I'm just saying. I'm just curious. Of, it's no, not... I'm just saying, at least in my part of the country, it's it's been a point of discussion already.
7: Talk to the people at Dortmund. They complain about it overlapping on the Jewish holiday every year. Mm, true. Yeah, true. That's true.
4: Fair point.
2: Yeah. Well, I know one of the dates was Easter, so we got we, we avoided that. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, th- there, there's a million different permutations and things right. that, that we have to deal with. Um, I think one thing that we are behind the eight ball on is after COVID, uh, we are trying to refigure out what we want to do as an organization. And I think we've seen the positive benefits of that to the show, but a negative of that is that we, a lot of other, a lot, a lot of other organizations and associations to lock up a lot of dates. So after COVID, there was a mad rush. So we didn't have as many dates to choose from. So all I can say is going forward, Coop, I think having 24 and 25, the ink is dry. And now we can start focusing on 26, 27, 28, that we'll be in a little bit better position. We'll have more choices. Right, right. Fair point. That's a good answer.
4: That's a good answer. I, I I buy it. You you sold me, Jay.
7: <laughs> Jay the intent is to try to keep us on this spring to spring schedule, right?
2: yeah, the the idea is to have the trade show in late March through mid-April um, for the for the foreseeable future. All right, uh, cool. And me personally, I prefer mid-April, but sometimes the dates dictate what the dates do. But ideally, you can think April fifteenth right around tax time. you know we don't have anything to do as business owners on March fifteenth or April fifteenth will be right around tax time when we're going to be. I've already had my fake shows. post done months before, you know, you can't do that last minute. So
0: they do minus September. <laughs> <That's not. laughs> All right. So after the annual meeting was the keynote speaker, uh, Oz Perlman, Jay, did you stick around for that?
2: I watched most of it. Uh, he was pretty good. Um, I did not know who he was. I had no expectation. He was not somebody that I wanted, but the board wanted him. And I was pretty entertained. I thought it was it was great. Um, I think comedy is a good thing. Uh, so I thought that he was great and exceeded my expectations for
0: sure. And was the uh, the attendance still pretty good in that session?
2: Yeah, it was decent. Okay, good.
0: All right. After the uh, keynote, uh, it was a little bit of a break, and then the uh, opening gala. Yeah, um,
3: was it? I was frozen. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh,
0: and Steven, uh, you were one of the sponsors of that event. Um, so thank you for doing that. Um, that's a, yeah. always appreciated.
7: Oh, uh, you have to really thank Eric Espinosa. He's he's the one that jumped on the grenade and committed to it. And then he tried to find three other idiots to split the cost with. So and I just <laughs> happened to be the first idiot that yeah. agreed, I think. Oh, yeah. Hey,
4: hey, hey Aaron, can, can. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm so... I was going uh, to go ahead. I, I was gonna make a request. I was just
1: going to say, but. Hey, it was was anyone else like, honestly, in a positive way, shocked, surprised at just how many people showed up for that welcome gala? Because I, I do not. I tell you what, we
7: we as the four exhibitors were blown away. It was it was never like that. Yeah, I, I don't remember there being that many people. But first off, can we stop calling it a gala? Because that's just a, <laughs> that's a little bit too much. That's a little bit too much. Uh, a little bit too much frill on this cake. Um. But, I mean, I, I there may have been 50% more people, but there was at least 400 more people in that room than I can remember in the last decade. I, I mean, we were really, really woefully unprepared for the size of that crowd. I mean, we uh, there was just no way to anticipate it because you have all these years of history. And you're thinking, what are you going to get, 10% more? And, uh, I mean, I think we handled it as well as it could be. Obviously there was a big problem with the line, you know, cause you're trying to control the flow. Um, I think the biggest problem was the guide for everything at the end, because everybody wanted their photo with guy and that was really slowing it up. So um, if we participate again next year, which I hope we're invited again to do um, I think we're going to talk very seriously about maybe breaking the four stations up. Yeah. So it's consult uh, Dave
4: consult. Yeah. Dave. He knows how to get rid of lines. Trust me. Yeah I mean At the great smoke. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things
7: you're trying to figure out how do you prevent double dipping? How do you make sure everybody gets everything? How do you treat the four sponsors evenly? I mean there's a lot of things to try to figure out. Luckily the four sponsors uh we were all very mellow, right? So there was there was not like any I mean we're all peacocks but there's like no dicks in the group, you know what I mean? <laughs> Matt Booth is super chill, Eric's chill. I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know what I mean? And then of course you got quality. So it was good in that respect that we didn't have to worry about somebody outshining someone else because everybody was kind of like, Hey, whatever happens happens. So that part was great. It was really a good group of four. I think it also gave a good product mix. So I don't think any of stepped on any of the others. And I, I, I was, I was blown away by the attendance really. I mean, I mean what it's supposed to end at eight and they like shut the lights off at eight. They let it go to like 850 this year, right? They they kept it going for like another 50 minutes because they just couldn't kick people out of the room. Yeah.
6: Because it's eight. And nothing should ever end at eight. <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was pretty surprised by the the number of people that were there. But that, that line, I mean, when we I think we left it uh like an hour and fifteen, an hour or twenty minutes into it, and like Sounds people right. were still like to almost to the door in the line, you know, waiting to kind of go there through. There were people so. still
7: on that line, almost to the door, till like eight thirty at night.
4: Wow! What line? What line?
0: The <laughs> I used my media thing because
4: here's the thing: I didn't use my media thing to go cut the line and get cigars, but I did the pictures. Did. <laughs> I was handed some, but no, I. But I, I said, hey, can I, I? I'm not going to wait an hour and a half to take pictures for this thing. And I was taking pictures. So they, they did let me do that. And I appreciated that. But but no, I did not cut in front of someone to get a, a cutter or a lighter. Or a do you
3: know who I am? I yeah. am. You were like
4: the night of well, the do, you, if Well, I saw you online, Mike. Through. I didn't see you use your media privilege. Backstage pass. Backstage pass.
3: <laughs> right. I didn't get in the line. I waved and harassed everybody. But that
4: was it. <laughs> I but tried that- to go. I tried to go to Juan Cancel on the back end. He was like. Juan was like serious, man. He was. He was in. Not your normal wand mode, he was in serious one well, mode, like security mode. You know, I can't. See the coop, I can't do anything, I'm sorry. He's like, <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was a hell of a turnout, man. I think that was it. Great. Was I with think it start. was good for the p, I think it was good. I agree. And the open bar, I think uh, a lot of people were really, really happy with that. I think that that worked fantastic. And it's good to see yeah. that you know, PCA has heard some things and they're trying to make some adjustments. I mean, we got a lot okay. right to cover, but it's definitely a step in the right direction instead of the same old song of dance that we saw year after year after year.
7: Right. Now, I understand Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the PCA is still fighting them on that bar tab. Cause I think they actually counted like 1700 people. and There wasn't 1700 people in that room. No. There was maybe a 1, thousand eleven
2: hundred. I don't want to make an illegal admission, but last year we were like 1502. So based on that, it's kind of close to 2000 people um it was nuts but I know they, they they figured something out with that i think I, i'm not sure all the details and i'll agree to the, uh, is it okay on facebook to say clusterfuck i think that the yeah. line situation could have been done better no and, you can't uh, say it <laughs> oh you Damn. can't say
6: clusterfuck uh, let me say this once the <laughs> line I thought was a, the
2: attendance
7: once the line happened there was no way to fix it in the middle you know right. what i mean so once you committed to this plan, <laughs> you know you quickly yeah. realized about twenty minutes in that oh this was a bad idea. There was like no it's way. To, an to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> when, when I, I said I, I we did fix- could have
2: done better on that, but yeah. I will say this that the there was there was a lot more seating than in the last couple of years, and the the food was good and the the bar service is good. So I thought it was a major upgrade, but obviously we could do better on the line and, and we will. Um, Pierce and other people were, were definitely uh, getting information and feedback and how to improve it.
4: Call so Abe. I love, like I'm telling said, you call Abe. How he knows that I have no
2: lines. So- I mean, look, I, I got, you get know, it. A, we have people running for the board every year. You're welcome to run
0: again. No, thank you. He's going to run for the gala board. That's it. A, as um, a member <laughs> of good standing,
2: you can just work on a committee just for the <laughs> open gala. No,
0: thank
5: you. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, No, I mean, look, I got to be honest, I go to the Not Gala every year, and I I usually, like, um, you know, sneak out really early or whatever, and I did not make it this year, and I feel really bad because I heard nothing but great things, but this year, uh, you know, unlike any other year, I actually had commitment work to do in setting up um, our project that Pete and I have for the, the Quiet Anarchy, so I literally landed on the plane, didn't go to my room, went to the trade show floor, worked there and setting that up, been traveling since 6.30, hadn't eaten, and showered, and then as I'm leaving it, whatever time that closed, what was it, six 6.30 by the time we walked out of there, I see this line wrapping all the way down. I'm like, yeah, uh, I'm not going to make it to, to the opening parties here, but I heard, I heard a lot of good things. I mean, look, when you get slammed with way over more than what you expected, you're always going to have I mean you can't think ahead. You're gonna always gonna have it. And, and it's really hard to make adjustments on the fly. I mean, I remember one year during the big smoke, we were in that situation. I'm like, if if we don't do something, um, people aren't gonna get in before the event's over. But like I can make that call by myself. I don't have to doing i literally just set up a mid station in the middle of the thing and we called four guys and we just made a mock diff check-in station we started start checking people in real quick you can't do that when you have a pca board it's easy when you're flying solo to make a decision whatever you want to do and do it on yourself so um i, I think having people there i think having guy theory makes a difference guy theory is undoubtedly a draw Absolutely. he is undoubtedly a man of presence that people want to see and Thank God for us, he's awesome with the people. He's not one of these guys with a cold shoulder, or you could tell, doesn't really want to be there. And that is an asset for us in our industry, not just for events like these, but just even on the consumer level. So I think I think that is a testament to the days of old when CA used to pull a lot of its weight and get a lot of people involved in a trade show from sports or hollywood that, that people like to see that and especially and with it, somebody like
7: give the pca credit too they they understand that without the big four there there's nobody that can float that opening gala tab it's just it's too big a sponsorship bill for one of us companies to support so letting us carve it into four companies like they did um it makes it possible you know what i mean mm-hmm. i mean it's still yep. expensive for a company like me but it's doable and I actually think it makes it better because there was more variety. It was more interesting because everybody brought something different. Agree. I
4: agree. I agree with that too. Totally yeah. agree. I, no, I,
7: I, I, don't know, I don't know who they're going to have do it next year, but I think they should stay with a format of four exhibitors. You know what I mean? I, I think that's, I think that's, I think it makes it, I just think it makes it better. And like Jay said, having more seating kept people around, having positive energy in the room kept people around. Maybe there weren't that many more people, but the people never left. Right didn't get as many people dipping in for 20 minutes True. and then bouncing True. out because there were plenty of bars, there was mm-hmm. plenty of food, there was plenty of drink, there was a lot of activity. It was it was it was a good it was a good opening party.
5: I, I heard a lot of great things like I said I really regretted not being able to make it this year, but it, I heard a lot of good things. Like I said, the only thing anybody I I heard anybody really complain about was the line, which is just right. one of those things. And, and even side, the line was
7: kind of a feature because it kind of was like, wow, could you believe this line? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, "Wow! Can you believe this? We haven't had this in forever." Yeah,
6: that helps with the vibe going into the show, though. Yeah, it does. People start talking about it, like, I had a hard time getting into the gala or the not gala, and mm-hmm. that that really helps with the <laughs> hype of the show. I think it's a good thing for the industry when when people feel like they, you know, the, the retailers when they come to the show and they feel like they got something out of the show, and just instead of just having to commit a lot of money to buy product. They felt uh, what I heard at the trade show is that a lot of retailers felt like they actually got a little bit back, which is really nice because it took a long time for our trade show to fix that portion where there were nights back in the old days, there was nothing to do. People were like scrambling to go to a dinner. Like, Hey, can I get on your dinner? Can I get on your, your uh, meetup that you're having now? It's like the, the PCA is actually offering things for the, for the retailers to do which is is refreshing to see yeah i agree
2: yeah the a lot of the evening events um i didn't go to any because i'm old but those seem <laughs> to be very well received as well
0: yeah so it's an yeah. after you're talking about the after dark uh jay
6: yeah
2: I
0: we heard did, we did an after those. dark
6: and uh yeah we did one after dark and it was we were there for the whole time it was busy it yeah. was nice uh I, I mean it was a small Pretty small bar, but honestly, it was pretty packed, and it was a good time. Nice.
0: And that was where uh, retailers could buy tickets and get like discounted or open bars for that those sessions kind of a thing.
6: Yeah, they could buy uh, open bar uh, wristbands, I guess, and as long as those people behind the bar saw the wristband, yeah, uh, they got they got free drinks. I I didn't have a wristband, so oh. I had to pay for my drinks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That
1: that might explain why you were at the booth when we rolled in at 10 a.m. And uh, (laughs) perhaps uh, some retailers didn't make that 10 a.m. call the next morning. Uh, Maybe maybe IV uh, station at the end of the gallow might might be uh, of assistance for some of the retailers at the end of the night.
6: John, I was only up because I was up at 6 a.m. to watch the F1
2: race.
1: (laughs) Ah, there you
4: go. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Dedicated
2: though pete i hear that lava was serving the uh, coffee after the last course
6: now for your meal <laughs> no i can't drink coffee anymore so it's it's okay that they're oh. not pouring it that <laughs> night anyways
7: like one of the afterward things that i went to this year I, I don't think it was widely publicized but espinoza had a like a storytelling night yeah and uh and it was it was actually quite good you know there was uh there was a good group of storytellers in there i mean there were a couple that sucked but i won't give any names <laughs> i mean but there, there it was it was
3: nice it wasn't a lot of people like maybe what seven people might. yeah it was a, just a handful of guys you know <laughs> it, it was a really good, it really was yeah for sure
6: i saw pictures so i can guess the people but i'm not going to say their names yeah, i mean Co- i mean, Co- made us Ru- leave Ray early so so couldn't Taylor, say.
4: i Espec- made them leave the 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 i the the made them mo- mo- I made them leave early. I had enough to skip that day.
8: <laughs>
7: oh, I, I'm just kidding, but oh, <laughs> I know. No. Oh, come on, there was far worse than skip.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> no, we uh, yeah, I made them. Well, no, I I offered I offered to just leave you guys the car. You guys said
3: you you're going back, so yeah. Who, who I, mean did nice? off, I did offer. I did yeah. offer. I did offer. Yeah, I was tired. You know what I mean? Like you can get if. Uh, Listen, if Skip and, and Soccer are in the building, it could be super uh, super late evening. Just to, yeah. you know, those oh, yeah. two guys holding court. Yep. So you know when it's like, all right, I gotta <laughs> I, gotta here, I bounce know? right. I bounce yeah. right around
7: midnight because I gotta yeah. I know I got a whole day of drinking ahead of me. So I gotta, <laughs> I gotta pace myself. Man.
4: But yeah. but but yeah, that S Rosa thing was really nice. I thought they did a good job with that. <laughs> um and it's a little different than a lot of the ones we go to as media because it's one company kind of doing it. And Espinoza kind of opened it up to everybody. Uh, it was, I think, the media guys were there at first, and then some of the other guys came in later. So I, I think they did a good job with that.
1: Well, it, it checks a lot of boxes: no loud music, so you can actually have a conversation. Yeah. lots of seating, so you can, you know, we're all listen. We're we're not spring chickens anymore. When I go to one of those things, I, I need to sit down. You know, I want to sit down yeah. and have a cigar and a libation. I don't right. really want to move for the next few hours. And that checked every box. Plus it was the second best meal we had at the uh, entire PCA. <laughs> the so. pizza,
4: the pizza. <laughs> I can tell you. This was not the year of the food for PCA. I can tell you that.
3: You know, it's here's, what's kind of crazy to me is it seems like to me, as far as brand owners and manufacturers, like a lot of bullshit has been kind of set aside and there's definitely, I felt like there was a lot more camaraderie with everybody. And, and that was awesome for me to see that, you know, because at the end of the day, yeah I, there is competition and stuff, but we're all working together, man you know and nobody wants to screw somebody else over so it was cool to just kind of see all the little bickering and stuff that I've seen throughout you know a decade just kind of be like, hey whatever man we're, we're all everything's all good and we're all just kind of having a good time you know I really like that. I thought that was probably one of the best things that I saw from the PCA you know from this this year's show.
5: It's one of the yeah. things I like most about this industry man really for the most part people get along. If you're yeah. not getting along with other people, typically you need to look inside and part, <laughs> pretty much think it's you and know what's right. going yeah. on. Yeah. For the most part, we all kind of really get along. And yeah, we're all in the same business. We all compete, but there's this open mindset. And I think there's always a few people who get bent and you know don't get it and whatever. And you know, they're always just fighting with everybody. But no, that's, that's the part I really like about, about this industry. And, Jay and Mike. Well, I mean, we're all like, you know, we're really friends. I mean, Mike and I we've been running each other, our families, and in, in in uh during you summer know, break, right? You're yeah. Rose and I I mean, it's just it's just it's it's really the beauty part of this industry. and, and, I, and I feel bad for the for the guys who really don't get it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: j- just an observation. I don't know how you guys felt, but um, I think the last I don't know, four or five trade shows, there's always been like the FDA or the big four pulling out, or is the PCA going to collapse? This is the first trade show I've walked into in a while where it was just fun. I mean, just no reservations. It reminded me of being a newer retailer. Um, the shows in 2010, 2014, 2016, where it was just, it was all positive. I mean, yeah, there are a couple of things here are there, but it was just, it was light. And I, I really just, felt I that just, this year.
7: I think it's just the fact that we see improvements now. Yeah. Where every year it seemed like it's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. And now for the last three shows, we're seeing changes that are like, oh, this is a positive change. Yeah. Oh, there's a positive change. And oh, here's a change. We don't know if it's positive or not positive, but you're building to be more open minded because you're seeing these other things start to click. And and that and, and that helps a lot, man. It puts everybody in a much better mood.
4: Great. I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. all right so, so we finally baseball. get baseball oh, i
0: sorry right. go ahead. so, so we we finally get to, to the, of, the all right go ahead jay i'll, I'll stop no, I'm I'm gonna, what one of the things let's go music? let's just start talking there all you go
2: let's <laughs> start talking okay
0: so tuesday morning, i'm gonna use the buzzer have, jay i'm gonna use the buzzer <laughs> a a <laughs> uh,
6: it's not that important if you want to hear <laughs> no, it, no gonna, go ahead i'm just is me shutting down i'm shutting down
2: so so tuesday morning 8 a.m we have um a pca meeting and thank god it's only an hour but one thing that blew me away is they sh- they put up the map of the trade show floor, and it was full with like two or three or four or five, six 10 by 10s. Then I realized it was a 2024 show. I was, I just sat there flabbergasted of how many boots have already been reserved. Next year is gonna be incredible. And that was great energy. I know a lot of last couple of years we look at the trade show floor coming up for the next show, and there were a lot of holes. There, Everything's pretty much rented already, and that was fantastic to see. And I part of it's the eight month thing, but I think part of it too is, like Steve said, we're going from strength to strength.
1: In, instead of giving away shirts, though, I think it'd be wise for people to start uh, investing in zip up hoodies for March because, uh, you know, I think I think the whinging is gonna ro- is gonna sway very sharply from it's too hot outside to it's too cold outside. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, the the Miami Nicaragua Dominican contingent to see, uh, you know. It's not 110 outside, but now maybe it's 55. So, you know, we'll see see how comfortable that is for people. I I think it's going to be a, a much improved smoking situation, even if it is a little on the chilly side. Yeah, because they can sit out on the
7: and curb and smoke a cigar and not exactly. sweat the like, balls on. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You. I'm thinking of Havana Cellar hoodies for everybody at the show. Uh-huh. What do you think, Pete? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's
1: make sure there's a medium, would you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Me. Don't worry right. so we finally get to the the uh trade show itself um so i know the exhibitors uh have a already have a kind of a lay of the land uh from setup and stuff like that so they've gotten kind of see this whole thing kind of start from scratch but for those of, that of us that came in after what were your kind of initial thoughts seeing kind of the floor you know walking in kind of what the layout looked like you know, what the booth sizes maybe look like any kind of initial thoughts when you, when you walked in the first time.
7: i like to, i this- like to start with this. I'd like Go to ahead. First thank the padrones because they took my spot because they got to pick before me, which moved me to that really, really crappy location, which was delightfully perfect. So thank you to the padrones. I owe you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it seemed anecdotally like there was a shit. I mean, obviously we lost some sort of gigantic booths and, I was kind of anticipating a lot of smaller booths, but I, I felt like what we saw was a lot more mid-sized booths which kind of surprised me like I would say you know if you're looking at you're looking at the average um, there seemed to be a lot more sort of mid-sized booths across the trade show floor which kind of surprised me I noticed that right off the hop when we walked in because you can you can kind of see that walking down the aisles you know that there's lots of kind of interspace little booths and then some gigantic booths and this seemed to be, you know, especially on the right side and the center, way, way more mid-sized booths to me.
5: Who, who did you feel had a gigantic booth?
1: Well, in the past you'd see, you know, for example, in the past, like, I mean this in, show, in the past. You... No, oh, this show, Had a huge no, booth. Padron Rocky had a Rocky. Pedroki Rocky. Rocky. Rocky's booth is Wait, Did big. someone
5: did someone see Pedrone? Yeah. That's not a big booth. Giant, yeah,
6: but, here,
7: but
5: here's the funny part, Abe. It's not a gigantic It wasn't
7: booth. a big booth by past, but now Padron's one of the largest booths there. Yeah. Right,
5: but that's not a gigantic booth. That's been their booth forever, and it's not gigantic. If Remember General's how big general's, generals old Alton's is the Dabrock
7: booth.
8: It was half an field. aisle. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was,
5: was like two football fields, right? Yeah. I mean <laughs> it was like it's literally a tram to get from one end to the other. Look, I, I've said it for a long time. I think the The bonsai plant grooming of the booth will lead to an overall better experience on the floor. Spreading everybody across four miles of footage doesn't benefit anybody, really. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, like, even Altus Booth, which, I mean, probably one of the bigger ones, above average, but still minuscule compared to what they would have in in the past. I think it's healthy. Um, I, I think it was good for the show. I think the show felt like it was more action going on, um, you know, the, you know, there was a lot of action going on the first day, the second day, third day began to do and go on the fourth, you know, the half day was dead. So now they're getting rid of the half day. It solves that problem. Um, and I think getting rid of the half day will, I think, increase what's going on the third day, too, because there are people who are stretching out what they have to do, and now they're going to have to work in a more condensed time. frame. I mean, I'll tell you what, I, I was literally meeting with people till the closing call on the half day, so you know. I, but then again, I'm walking around more laid back. I stop and bullshit with Steve for a little bit. I'll stop and talk to Pete for a little bit. So you know, it probably will get me on a more regimented time frame. But um, you know, I think things are moving in, in a better direction as far as size, footprint, overall health of the floor plan of the show. Because I've said it before, if you have this massive, massive show. This massive, massive floor, and I'm a new guy coming in, right? And no one walks by my booth like in the whole day, which was possible in the past. Like so someone could have not walked down that whole aisle that whole day. You're blaming the trade show. But if, if it's more condensed and more, more healthy, and people are walking by all day, and but people ain't stopping and interacting with them, then they look internally and what am I doing wrong? Why can't I get into this traffic? to come in and, and, and and see me. So I, I like the smaller footprint. I, I really do. And
7: I think a big part of it too, Abe, is I think that, I don't think that we feel the need to peacock the booths the way it was like 20 years ago when we had the boom and everything got super crazy. I mean, look at Perdomo's booth today compared to what they used to have. They, sure. didn't, they didn't do any less business in that booth right? Pete isn't doing less business in his booth. His booth is a lighter design than it used to be. Um, You know, I started off with a lighter design because I had the experience at what a nightmare doing Mm -hmm. that was and how much it cost. It was just absurd. I I think that, I think everybody's starting to take the amount of space they actually need to do business and, and, and not worrying as much about how it looks. Now, people like Padron, they've got this huge investment in this booth uh, they'll probably keep that forever because they probably spent eight billion dollars on it, and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, I I think and the other thing too is for the retailers, it's better too because they don't have to walk as far. Okay, yeah. everything. So for for the retailer, it's better, and for the manufacturers, it's better too. And I and I was always of the belief that it was a big mistake of the PCA, and I understand it was the way they earned money, but when they let the big four grow into these booths. It then forced mm-hmm. my father, and it forced Ashton to make their boobs bigger because they didn't want to seem like they were falling behind those guys. And so you had you had really a lot of boobs that just got so oversized that it made the show impossible to walk and work. And, and when it was in the time
5: where they were allowing the ancillary businesses like the vape and the hookah and stuff, I swear to God, I remember not even being able to see where it ended. Right. Like I'm I'm looking down the hall, like where is the end of this show? I mean, now anywhere I in the show I can actually see all four walls of the expo. So it, it, it's—I I think it's healthier overall for all aspects of it.
7: Uh, that will be an interesting question when they come back in 2024. I mean, are they? I mean, Jay, you would know this because you've already seen the map. But I—I'm assuming that the big three that are already announced to come back—they're not planning on doing those mega boosts again, are they? I'm assuming they've kind of scaled it to a more reasonable size.
2: Uh. They didn't look huge. I mean, probably like the size of the Fuente or the Padron booth. Uh, maybe right. Ger- maybe not as large as the Gurkha booth. But that's appropriate.
7: right? Yeah. Look, look, Rocky's booth is big, but given the amount of business he does, it's appropriately sized.
3: Yeah. I, I got one question. When it comes to now that day four is gone, which I'm glad that it is gone, well, how's the breakdown going to play out? Can you do that? Um, out? I, I've been thinking about this a lot. I'm if, We always needed that fourth
7: day not so much for sales. Look, when you're small, like when we were beginning, we did a lot of orders on the fourth day. We've been blessed to start to become a day one, day two company. And now we're a day three coming two because of appointment limitations. Day four for us, I don't think we wrote more than maybe $150,000 on day four. And we would have scooped that up on the phone anyways after the fact. The problem is you don't want to end up in overtime with a union breakdown labor. What I like about this is I'm still going to go. There's still going to be a day for the show for me, and it's going to be dedicated for breakdown. So what'll end up happening is we will go away on day three and go do whatever we're going to do that night and have our company dinner and enjoy ourselves. And then the next day, we'll roll in around 10 a.m. And we'll do the breakdown on day four. And that'll be better because it's such a pain in the ass. You're just waiting those four hours to start breaking down. And then you're in a mad dash to break down. So as an exhibitor, it isn't going to save me a day. But I think it's going to actually make my schedule easier for my people to actually go back on the fourth day. And this is all we do on day four. And the other thing that will be nice about it, too, is we end up throwing a lot of shit away we shouldn't be. We end up packing up a lot of stuff that we shouldn't have packed. It'll actually give us a moment to stop without all the retailers still on the floor, still talking to us. I mean, day four, I mean, Pete, I'm drunk. Pete's wanting Mm -hmm. to talk. Abe's wanting to talk. Everyone wants to talk. Now we'll have a day where all we do is we go in, and we organize and we break down after we got a night's sleep. So And we won't be in the union hours because we're not going to do it at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. And I, I love the fact that this is going to be three days long. And then on the fourth day, we're going to break down. And I assume that's what you're going to do,
6: Pete, right? Well, yeah, I, if, as long as it it is what – I mean, if they're allowing day four for us to come back in the morning to do that, that would be nice. <laughs> but a lot of these guys breaking down booths, they want to – especially the, the, the workers that come and help, they want to, they want to close this shit up quick. They might not want to be there the next day. That's my biggest fear about day four being gone. Right. But I, I agree with you, Steve. I don't like the idea of like day three and then it's nine o'clock and we're still packing our booth with overtime.
7: With overtime. That'll be, but I'm assuming Jay, cause look, there's always been a day. So even at the PCA, we don't have to break down on day four. Day five is still open to break down because the big guys can't break down that day all of it, right? So I'm assuming we're still going to have an extra day to break down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be much better, as far as I'm concerned. I I like that way better because I don't have to stress my staff out because they've had a hard, they've had a hard three days doing the trade show. Because trade show trade show begins a week before. We're at the trade show three four days before the opening day of the trade show. So they've already been there for three plus days doing their job, and then you have three hard days of the trade show, and then you're trying to crush in that breakdown at the last minute. I, I like the fact that we can go to bed and get up the next morning and do the breakdown.
5: And by that, and by that
0: time, you had five days of in sobriety, man. It's brutal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about sales well, from the well, exhibitor side. Well,
1: oh, go ahead. I don't, I don't want to let us lead too much into positive town, so I want to take a little bit of negative town there because I do have the media hat <laughs> on. Uh, so I just want to say uh, wearing the PCA trade member hat, uh, I think killing the fourth day makes complete sense. It's a cost saver. Uh, I think the fourth day was a bit of a throwaway. People have been saying for a long time the fourth day really doesn't need to be there. But I will say from the media perspective... It's going to have an impact um, for us. Uh, and, and I think, Coop, you can probably talk a lot to this, especially this trade show. That fourth day is really critical for us to get some of the big boosts that so, were slammed. And I agree with that,
7: Sean, because I'm still doing all media appointments on the fourth day. But the PCA could fix this for you. They could let you come in a day earlier during the setup because most of the had- principals aren't as involved in the setup. And I'd be happy to do some things on the Friday before the trade show opens. I, I'd be okay with that. You you guys, we, I don't find that you're in the way,
2: personally.
5: We even talked about this in KMA. I, I think it should be able to come on during the exhibit
0: hours as well, that extra hour uh,
5: before, yeah. before
0: retailers at the floor. I think you yeah. solve it just by doing the hours of uh, 10 to 6 for the trade show. And early, early entry for media and uh, you know the pay to play or however they wanted to do it. So you do a nine nine to six show, um, and you you overall you lose an, you lose one hour if you, we, without that fourth yeah. day. Yeah,
4: and we asked for that at the media press conference too, because because look, I I agree the fourth day was critical for us, but look, it also was a dead day, and a lot of times we would go to booze, and the principals wouldn't even be there because there's no one there, so they're walking the floor. So I, I kind of get, it. I think they gave the, that half day, everything possible, but if the, if some concessions could be made to get some of those extra hours or, or even the day before, I, I think we could, we can, we can probably mitigate all that, but I think we need some help with that. Otherwise we're just going to yeah. have less coverage. That that's all, the, that's all I can say is there's, there's people who are getting complained. They don't get coverage now that there's going to be more people complaining with it.
2: Yeah. I know that Antoine was uh, talking with a lot of people about figuring out some ideas before the show and. I'm not sure what you guys do after six o'clock, but I found myself on the floor till seven, seven thirty most days, anyways, and that's some time you can scoop up as well. It's kind of nice that they don't throw you out at five fifty nine like they used to.
4: No, I mean we, yeah,
2: <laughs>
7: let's just leave it at that. I, I will, I will say the the Las Vegas Convention Center. My experience there is they're a little bit more sticky on the end of the day time. They like I we were in our booth almost every day until close to eight o'clock most nights. And at the Las Vegas Convention Center, they give you about an hour grace and then they're like, okay, you got to get the hell out of here. So just keep that in mind. They're, they're not as fast.
2: Yeah. Well, remember that the trade show technically closes at six, but the PCA mm-hmm. booth is open till seven. So I think we'll get at least that hour of grace, even from the Las Vegas Convention Center. Okay, cool. Now, eight o'clock, I don't know.
0: Yeah. All right, let's head, head into the sales and we're not looking for numbers from you guys. So don't. Don't don't sweat that piece, but um John and I I think a lot of the conversations we had with um exhibitors was uh you know day one was a good day of sales, but for a lot of people they said day two was even that much better um did you guys ex- $1 kind of get experience that? Yeah.
4: <laughs> million dollars trade was sold on day one billion <laughs> yeah P- yeah
2: perfect damn.
7: I haven't yeah, been shy about it we had, we had a crazy good trade show we just did. Yeah. yeah, we we beat our numbers by double of what our <laughs> our goal was going into the show. Um, for for Dunbarton, this was a breakover year. I mean, it really was. I mean, it was crazy. Um, I I already have to like set my expectations much lower for next year because it's. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we can achieve that again. I mean, we just we 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 had. Day one for us was the best, which as a small company, you always want to move up the progression, right? You start off as a day three, day four company, and then you're hoping to get more on day two, and then you're dreaming of getting day one. Now, luckily, I get to be day one now because the big other big three aren't there. Maybe next year, because they're there, maybe I get demoted back to being the day two company. I don't know. I don't think so. I hope, I hope from your mouth to God's ears, but I mean... But for us, it was a it was a really good trade show, and and part of it too is I was kind of like in the Bermuda Triangle of dollars there, <laughs> like the way that worked with Espinosa having Guy Fieri, and then I had Nicholas right to my left, and then it was me. So we we had a really happening little spot there. So we we we, we really and we were right at the very front. I mean, other than Gurkha, I we mean, we're Gurka was the first thing you saw when we came to the door, but. Then from then on, it was, we were in a great place. So yeah, we, we, we had a stupid good trade show
3: for me day one, I wrote more orders, but they were smaller in comparison to day two, like day two, I had more of my, you know, accounts that are fully supportive and they're just like, yeah, I'll take the package, take whatever, you know, whereas day one, I had more smaller accounts and more new guys that were kind of picking and choosing, you know, just seeing kind of getting their toe in the water and determining what they wanted to buy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, day two was, was a lot easier. You know, I had less people on day two, but I had more bigger package deals. So, okay.
1: Did, did any of you observe, uh, Kind of a traffic drop-off after four o'clock on the first day because it seemed there seemed to be and I don't know if there's like some cocktail events going on. Yeah. Um, but it's it it sort of seemed to thin out a little bit after four o'clock. So I wasn't sure uh whether that was just anecdotal or what was going on there. Did you guys see any of that in your booths?
7: I didn't because we had appointments booked, right? So and you were really drunk at that time, come four o'clock. Yeah, I mean, so I don't have you? to pay attention at all, but <laughs> because because we had appointments. I mean, we had timers on the table this year, just a lot visual timers. My like people knew that, hey, you got 30 minutes and somebody else is going to be here for you. So that kind of helped move things along for us. Like I mean,
6: a chess timer?
7: Yeah, it was. It was so, just, it didn't ding or anything. It was just a little visual indicator. Because look, you get talking, you want to talk to people, right? And, and but the thing is, you don't want to be rude to the person that has the 4.30 appointment. You don't want that person to be rude if has the five o'clock appointment. And I think that, so for us, we didn't really notice any drop off because of the appointment scheduling, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And then how about uh new retailers that you hadn't done business with? Did you see uh any kind of an uptick in that or kind of your normal flow of how many you get coming by?
7: Um, I don't know the actual answer to this, but I think Cindy, Cindy gave me the indication that we probably opened about 30 odd accounts. Okay. So, um, and for us, because like our buy-ins to open aren't like super steep, but they aren't free either, right? So we tend to we tend to get pretty good opening orders from retailers at this point. They have to have made the decision that they we we don't get a lot of looky lose the way we used to. Mm-hmm. People kind of come in with more intent, and they're like, okay, I know I want to bring this in. I looked at the packet. This is the base minimum okay, here's what I need to do if I want to get to the next level. So I, I don't know. I, I I found that, I mean, again, I'm taking it anecdotally from my team, but they said that the retailers were probably the most prepared they've ever been since we started doing the trade show. They were very
2: prepared. Well, Steve, you did a good job preparing people. I know for me, I had everything worked on in spreadsheets because there's no way to get it done in a half an hour, whether it's your booth or Pete or Perdomo or anybody like that. You have to, that's part of our job as retailers to be professionals and not walk and be like, oh, I don't know what I need. And I think more people are prepared these days. Well, I think anybody of any real level has to be that
5: way. Yeah, I mean, I remember not being going in doing any kind of work and just looking and just making an order up right there as I sat. And those days are gone. I mean, you can't do that anymore. So I think any serious retailer, any retailer, any significant size uh you know mid-size or bigger you have to be that way otherwise you never get nothing done right. so you know you know we, we we know the deals pretty much well in advance outside of some surprise or last minute deals you know our team will look at whatever our last trending four to six months of history and we go in there with estimated you know what this is what basically our order is going to be based on your what you're offering and what our needs are and we'll make adjustments on the fly and that's pretty much all that time that was used there. I mean, I think, I think we placed one of the biggest show orders for Steve's company um, of his thing. And I think probably Cindy spent the less time talking to my operations guy than anybody. I barely saw him sitting there they were sitting there for two minutes, had some compensation about a couple of things and he was gone. All right.
7: Yeah. And I think most retailers that are prepared like you, like Jason, he has his plan and then he has a slush fund. And if you see something that he wasn't expecting to see that catches his eye, then he'll go ahead and say, okay, I'm going to dip into my slush fund. But I think that uh, I, 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 I just feel as though all the way around, the exhibitors were better and the retailers were better. Just everybody seemed better.
3: Yeah. Pete, what about you? New accounts?
6: No. Yeah. Obviously a few new accounts. Um, we just work a little bit more streamlined than we used to. I mean, we have a printer in the booth. If someone needs a, a regular price sheet, we just print it out for them right there. We don't have to bring like stacks of paper with us like we used to. Um now everything is electronic. So everything gets entered into an iPad or your telephone. And now if a retailer wants a copy, we used to come in with three part NCR back in the old <laughs> days. <laughs> I remember, I remember that. Oh, this is your copy and then you're gonna get a copy of that in the shipment and we're gonna keep a copy. Now it's just like, here's your order that you placed. And then the rep puts it in and it goes into their email. So now then it goes directly into our QuickBooks. So we're just running more streamlined. So we have more time to meet with uh, retailers. And yeah, I can't tell you the exact number of how many new retailers we picked up, but uh, for sure it was a number uh, because I know some of the, re- the reps were scrambling to get people in because of the way our system works. It it has to go live in the system for them to see it in their iPad. And they're like, Hey, you have a deadline. And this is your deadline. And they're like, Hey, can you put that, that store into the system? Otherwise I won't be able to put the order in before the prices go back up. Cause we had, you know, we had a small deal on certain things and it it was, uh it was just easier to work this year. Everything was way easier to get done. And we were able to see more people, talk to more people. And ultimately, I think everybody walked out happy. Even my main guy, he left on Monday. He went back to the office in Los Angeles because we were shipping the whole weekend. So everything's running what much quicker. We we ship, we ship Saturday and Sunday. We didn't ship obviously, but we packed Saturday and Sunday and had orders to pack on Monday and then this this whole week because we didn't have we didn't have everything weighing us down like it used to much easier yeah
2: yeah pete you're very organized i had an email with my order before i left the booth and you were one of maybe like 10 that were like that it's just very quick
7: Uh, and that's what we were talking about this before we went live this is where we're a little weak this is a area that i need to step up our technology game and get a little but we've never had this many orders you know what i mean we were were caught a little flat-footed on that so, but that's that's a major that's a major thing that we need to improve is we need to better leverage technology to make the experience. I mean, I think we did a good job, but we could definitely do
1: a better job. It's a question for Steve and certainly Pete. Uh, I know last year we saw a big uptick in you know I don't know if you call it influencer. We call it new new media. Um, at the show there was like a massive uptake last year but the the numbers on the floor anecdotally seem kind of low to us this year compared to last year you're kind of a both of you are kind of a hub for media to show up to did you observe any of that trend this year like what was your sort of take on that
6: yeah i i mean i saw i saw a lot of new guys i i was fortunate that i knew a lot of these guys from instagram and and facebook so You know, a couple guys came in the booth. I mean, even Coop came in the booth three times and I I just wasn't ready for him. Thankfully, he came back on the fourth day. But, um, you know, I ended up hitting up a few guys after the show and I apologize because I missed them. Like I would turn around, they would be gone because I took one extra minute with someone else. That's why I wish I had Steve's timers in my booth.
7: (laughs) Um, I feel like there was less media at the show this year. I mean the 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 serious guys that are like really like you know the every day or the every other day kind of guys they were all there for the most part but the the Johnny come lately kind of media guys I I saw far less of this trade show and maybe and part of that be because I take media appointments the same way as we take sales appointments and so for me my media is very organized um so I tend to catch everybody and I leave a few slots open for the people that I didn't know to reach out to, and they say, "Hey, can you give me like, hey, here's a link. Go here. You can book a a media appointment." I, I keep a few I keep a few hours off the books that don't go out, so I always have some a little bit of time, some flexibility. But overall, I felt there was less of that influencer, super ultra. And I, I don't even know if to call them media because they're they're not really media. You know what I mean? They're more that Instagram, Instagram, yeah, you know, kind of more like (laughs) personality kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I felt that there were less of those this year than there was the previous year. That that was my my feeling.
1: Mike, I'll tell
6: you, I saw I saw a few people that came into the show that are really good at what they do with social media. And they were literally walking off the show floor and it almost seemed like they were editing it as they were walking back to their room because (laughs) you would see that stuff up on YouTube really quick and really good. I mean, yeah, there's some guys that do live stuff, but the really polished social media that I saw um, was up within a few hours after they got off the show floor, which is impressive.
7: I think part of that too is just how much improved all of these apps are. I mean, I mean, even look at how my photo game has improved just in the last year, because, you now have <laughs> all these great apps that make your life so much easier than before. All
0: right. Let's talk a little bit about the retailer side, uh, kind of uh, your booth visits, your purchasing plans or or what your plan was going into the show, what booths you were visiting. Jake, you talked about kind of, you know, you had your targets and then your slush fund kind of what, how, did, how, how well were you able to stick to kind of that plan going in?
2: Uh, very well. Uh, well, last year I, I spent too much money. Uh, so this year I was within about 2%. Uh, I was very cognizant of the fact that I had to get what I needed to get for existing products. And that I had my eye on certain other products. Um, but also I was cognizant of the fact that there's a show in eight months. And so I, I curtailed in a few areas. Uh, part of my problem and aid probably this is second nature for him, but you know our business is, has doubled in the last three years. It's quadrupled in the last five years. So it used to be, I did a big order with Fuente. Well, now it's it's a big order with six or seven companies, and you know you have to figure out how those dollars are going to go, and you don't know uh, walking into the booth necessarily what's going to be available, what's going to be allocated. Um, so there were a couple boots where I spent more than I wanted to, and then there were other boots with companies that I do a lot of business with. I'll give you an example. I put in a very small order of Padron because I got what I needed to get. And I just know Pedrone. I order from them every 10 days anyways. Uh, so Padron gave up some money at the show, but I know that every 10 days I'm going to be ordering what I order from Padron because they didn't have a lot of new product and the new product order is going to come in March, April, May next year uh so we just did it like that and so there were companies that we do a lot of business with that didn't have very many new things um and we're still going to order from them of course but i use some of that budget towards things that i had to get at the show i mean like i think pete you had three or four things that if i wanted them i had to get them at the show so that gets a priority because we do a lot of business with you and we're not we know we can't order them in August. Same thing with you, Steve. There are things that, that we had to order at the show or we weren't going to get them.
7: Yeah, it's kind of, you know, I'm not I'm not sold on the PCA exclusive program. I, I feel like it's not well curated and managed well. Um, and so I kind of have PCA exclusives, but I don't call them PCA exclusives. There's definitely a benefit to our retailers that come to the trade show. The, the, the way that it's set up, it benefits the people that take the time to come and spend the money and see us in person. And I mean, we don't make a big deal out of it, but I think our our purveyors, they've just seen the history of how we've done it the last seven, eight years. And they kind of know that's baked in the cake, that there's a benefit to writing your order at the trade show versus writing your order after the trade show. And we try to build that perk in because we want we want to encourage people to come. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just think, I think it's just good for the health of the industry. The more people that show up, the more conversations you have, the more you get energized, the more you learn from your peers. So, I mean, we kind of do it without like saying, oh, it's a PCA exclusive. Right.
5: Yeah. It's a PCA priority.
7: Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. But I mean, we, I mean, you'll, you'll notice even in my like social media posts, I, I make a big deal out of the PCA for probably a good month before the trade show, maybe even eight weeks before the trade show. I start tagging them in every single new product, what we're doing. You know what I mean? I, I, I go out of my way to emphasize the trade show. I, I don't know, maybe it's the cigar geek in me. Maybe it's because I remember the experience I had when I started going to the show back in the early nineties, I, I I I just feel that it's good for the health of your business and I and I think a lot of retailers, they're really, and the other thing that's really nice is I'm noticing a new crop of younger retailers that are really starting to grow and they've, they're very active in the PCA. And I can tell you, I don't have any retailers that are really growing crazy that aren't active PCA members. All the accounts that are like really doing the best and I see the real good numbers out of and I see the good growth out of, they're all active members of our industry. Maybe it's just because of the way our product is and how we promote it and the price point. I don't know. But I know that for me, those members are the most important. Those are the most important retailers to me, period. It's just the way it is. So I, I try to do something that makes it a little bit more worth their while.
0: Yeah. And Abe, how did your strategy go for what, what you wanted to see at the trade show? And can, were you able to stick to that or did some i've had the worst thing. strategy for 30 years now hands down <laughs>
5: i i i've gone to the show i bought what i wanted to buy without a budget without a clue ever freaking knowing what i was doing and worrying about the bill when the bill came in mm-hmm. um unfortunately or fortunately that strategy seemed to have worked for me for 30 years um so and 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 now it's different because to be honest with you you know as someone who has grown from one 900 square foot store there's a psychology to buying and sometimes your psychology doesn't equate to your bank account and that's something when you grow you have to it, it, it's a curve you know I mean I mean I think some of our orders at the trade show this year was more than my opening order to open my second location, which I would have had a heart attack at some point but you' you' you're, 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 you're when, when you're growing, if you're stagnant and you're level in this industry, it's the same thing year after year. If you're the type of retailer that's growing your company dynamically, there's a psychology part of it that doesn't quite catch up to where you're at in business all the time. So um, that's something that we kind of have to work through sometimes and, and, and,
7: I'm gonna disagree with you a little bit, Abe, because I would say you go to the trade show with probably ninety plus percent of your budget locked. You already know what you're buying before you get there, so it's just your slush isn't the same your slush used to be. No, not
5: now, not now. But I'm telling you, I'm talking about psychology like two years ago, three years ago, even Steve. I mean, you know, like I've never worried about what we ordered the show, but like you know, the numbers of what we're ordering now, like I would have never even like like envisioned or thought like we would ever do that like four years ago, three years ago. So that's always something when you're growing. And it's it's, it's a thing if you're a growing company that you constantly battle because sometimes your growth is growing more than your psychology of your business. It's, I mean, you know, you're more seasoned than me. You work with bigger companies than me. Maybe you don't have that. Issue, but I've had that issue throughout my career because we've kind of grown in a steady path. And a lot of times my psychology hasn't caught up to where I literally am as a company. I'm kind of still a little bit in my head living, uh, you know, where we were maybe five, eight years ago. And we're constantly trying to be more open-minded to be more aggressive. So me, I never kind of went to a trade show with a budget or, you know, God bless him, Jay is as efficient as Jay has been. I mean, now we're a little bit more efficient, but we still don't go with a budget. We go. We're going to buy what we think is a good deal. We're going to buy enough that we think is going to be a value and help us bring better, better deals to our end consumer at the end of the day. Um,
7: Yeah, but so, but, but you know, see what I find is I find that the better retailers they don't get motivated by deals. Better retailers look at what the the turn rate is on their product. And they won't. And they won't. They won't over. I always find it's the younger, lesser experienced retailers that tend to really overextend themselves because they get kind of caught up in the moment. And i and I always tell them new accounts, and this is probably counterintuitive to what the PCA wanted me to say, for probably until maybe three years ago. But I always tell young accounts, don't, don't take any deals. Don't buy deals on new products. You know, it's gambling. You have no idea what's gonna do. No, know, know what your turns are in your store and figure it out that way and take advantage of where you're gonna best put your cash.
5: You're muted, Abe. Eh? No, I know. I'm sorry, I was talking to my daughter. Um yeah. The McAllen has said it. What were you just saying, Steve? Yeah.
7: <laughs> I was saying that I tell young accounts one of the worst mistakes. No, you're have actually right. too many you're- deals. No, you're absolutely right, Steve, deals but it's are all not your, your friend. When no, you know, they are your friend. When you Hold know on, that wait, you sell 50 boxes of Kuba Kuba every month, then yeah, go deep on Kuba Kuba when the right. Right. they deal. Right.
5: They they are your friend if you're smart enough to know your data and know what the curve is for that particular product, right? I mean, when we go into the trade show we and, we're going, and we know somebody's got a good deal, we know what basically three months worth of sale is, two months worth of sales is, four months worth of sales is. And even six months worth of sales, and depending on how deep that,
7: and then that you make it as a business decision: Do I allocate this amount of cash to put towards that product? I,
5: I think, yeah. That, I mean, the, the the better at selling product yeah. it is, the more boost you because you're. This is one of
7: the reasons why I think it's so important for retailers to come to the trade show. The better educated huh. the retailers are, the better it is for us manufacturers. Period.
5: Well, I'm going to tell better, you another reason: the better I'm you are at your thing. job, the better it makes my life. Period. I'm going to tell you another reason why it's important to go to the trade show. Right. A lot of my intelligence and education has come from going to the trade shows for the last 20 years and learning by those who were ahead of me and bigger than me and taking the time to have the conversation with those retailers. And not just the good and the bad, because as I was growing from one to three to five locations plus, I literally, believe it or not, the most important people I wanted to talk to were the people who went from five or six locations down to one. You know, what happened? <laughs> you know, what was what was the cause of your demise, right? I mean, so obviously for me, especially early on in my career, going to trade shows, that was the most beneficial thing for me is to talk to retailers who I admired and, wanted, and were very successful and really wanted to learn from. Because look, knock on wood, I'm at the stage in the show where I will get asked by a lot of other retailers, actually some manufacturers. And I never mind sharing the knowledge because knowledge was shared a lot with me throughout my career by many great retailers. I think that's part of the onus, if you've been privy to that, is be able to pass that kind of information on. But that happens at the trade show. That that, that passing of information and and data and knowledge and history and help comes when you go to the trade show because you will find the the guys who are doing it right and ask them questions. And for the most part, guys are pretty open about it. You can find the guys who are on the it's, downside. It's at the same. And so
7: I, I look at I look at what Pete has done being a boutique small brand, and most small boutique brands crash and burn. and Pete has managed to take his business and get it to a point where it's sustainable and he's managed to maintain his customer base and to grow it. So I look at the way Pete's done things over the last two decades. And there are things that i that I model after the way he's done what he has done. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I, I, I think
6: know. we're pretty much cut from the same cloth, see? because I go into the trade show like you overly cautious. Sometimes, you know, just I don't I, I don't go into the trade show giving deals on new product. The new product is if someone wants to take a chance on it, they they take the chance on it. And I don't and you can see the ordering pattern. People don't go heavy on the new stuff that's coming out because they know they can get it all the time. But when I give them a deal, I go into the, the trade show loaded up with regular core product that I know moves. And that way it gives the retailers that know their inventory access to something they, they know that moves also. And I have it ready to ship for them. And they, they've gotten a deal on it. But I, I rarely go into the show yeah. heavy yeah. on a new product, worried about like, shit, are we going to sell this all? Because I don't, I want people to understand that we're going to have it buy it, test it, see if it works and then hopefully you want to reorder real quick. So we always go into the show you know with about the new stuff we sell about 80% and leaves me inventory for the next few months. Right. And I have a backup order coming from the factory, but it's it's been a it's been a tough way to get there because in years past I would go into the show with nothing to sell. So I'm glad I've gotten to a point where I've actually managed my own inventory better. And I'm sure that you're the same way.
0: Try to be. <laughs> All right, Mike. How was your, how was your uh, purchasing plan? Were you able to stick to that pretty well?
3: Uh, from a retailer standpoint, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of like a hybrid of the two. I, you know, I know who I'm going to do business with, right? So, and I kind of have an idea as to where my numbers need to be and where I'm where I need to grow as well. So, you know, you invest a little heavier with those guys. I'm not necessarily hellbent on the discount, you know, as far as volume is concerned, because I don't think that my volume equates to that number, but you know, the guys as a retailer, you know, the guys that you want to support, right. Or the guys that you've kind of established with, you know, and you continue to grow with those guys. Right. So you see what they're doing at PCA. I mean, your Fuente order is going to be your Fuente order, right. Uh, especially the way that they've been doing it with the Opus. And what they did was brilliant this time around. They hit you with everything. All the core stuff already arrived. They already hit the credit card. So they knew that that's going to go through for every other retailer. And then they're going to ship the Opus stuff later. So, you know, that was a hell of a design. <laughs> but, you know, you look at because a lot of retailers will overspend at the show and, and they'll go well past their cap. But if you have a, a a game plan as to, you know, what you're excited about, what you're looking to buy, who who you're looking to take on, and what your re- regular, you know, brand owners and manufacturers are that you carry, it's pretty easy. Uh, You know, every once in a while you catch yourself in a moment of weakness. You know, where somebody is, you believe in a guy, or you have a conversation with an individual, and you're like, "All right, let's you know, let's give it a try, let's run it out." And and that's definitely where you guys are calling it slush come, kind of comes into play. I didn't really see that that much this year. I don't feel like there was a tremendous amount of new guys. There were some none of them really caught my eye, unfortunately, you know, so I kind of just stick with my primaries and, you know, that being said too, it wasn't that easy for me to go around that much this year either, you know? So I had a, I had a great show for me. I, I feel like I could, could definitely do better, but at the end of the day, you know, there are new accounts and, you know, you, you do try and retail and you do try and do media stuff. So I'm not, I'm definitely not the str- strategic person of the business where I'm the, let's go, let's jump off the cliff and build a plane on the way down type of an approach. And that's really kind of served me very well. So, you know, I don't think that we overspent. I think that we did dabble a little bit, but nothing, nothing crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. That's good. Cause it leads me to my next question for the retail side is, were there brands that you guys did business for that you engaged with this year that, you know, you hadn't previously, and it doesn't have to be a new company. It could just be a company that uh has been around for a few years that you just hadn't really worked with before and kind of jay and abe and mike if you guys want to jump in if anybody kind of that you guys engage with this year
3: i mean for me i didn't really have anybody new that really stood out uh, for i'm i'm kind of more focused on some of these smaller dudes that I, you know i'm looking to see that are passionate about the industry you know black star line is definitely one of them i like what he's doing he's kind of branching out and he's doing some more production stuff so you know Eric's always got my support. Right. And I want to see him succeed and do well. The the Howard G guys, you know, I love those guys. Howie's awesome. He is a character in himself and I want to see him succeed. So, you know, I went a little deeper on some of those guys because I want to personally promote them, you know? Uh, and I think that that's really what happens when it comes to being a retailer, you know, time and time again, you can just open the the door and just let somebody in. But the reality is that you want to turn that three stick consumer into five, that five into 10, that 10 into a box, right. And and making sure that they're leaving with different things to try as well so that they feel happy about the experience. So, you know, some of these smaller dudes that I already do business with, I want to build more for them. I want the consumer that comes to my store that will go to other stores say, Hey, I had this and this is fantastic. And then to continue to develop. So that's really kind of was what played out for me this year. Mm. Abe,
5: um, you know, I go into every trade show with the intent to kind of maybe specifically look at somebody or find a company or two that we feel we could work together with. You know, like Mike said, the last thing I want to do, and, and unfortunately, the more you're, the bigger your variety, the bigger your selection, what more you offer. It's very easy to bring in any new brand and they get lost completely in the shuffle. So, you know, my goal is always when bringing in a new brand is, are they willing to work within a formula and a system that we've seen be successful now for 30 years? You know, some are very open, some are very willing, some are very close-minded. So for us, it's more of a process than just we met somebody. If you're a new company, the odds that we'll meet you at the trade show and place an opening order is about zero. Mm. Um, it will be our point of an initial conversation um, to understand the psychology, the history of the company, see if these are people we want to be able to actually work with, and then we will probably have a post-trade show follow-up. And there was one company who actually caught my eye this year, and you know, I, I won't mention it because if we don't bring them in, it doesn't say anything good about it. but. Um, I was impressed. I was impressed with how young they were, how streamlined their product line looked. There were some issues um, in the model that we had as a company. And after having discussions with them, they were were very very open to listen. And uh, I actually communicated with that company today when I said we're going to have a follow-up meeting next week. Um, Because if I'm going to bring in a new brand that I... You know, it was really funny because they had all the elements to be more successful than they are today. So I'm trying to figure out where are they going wrong? Because it's not in, I actually smoked the cigars today. I thought it was actually the cigars because everything else looks so good. I said, these cigars maybe shit. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> right. Cigars weren't shit. So there's something wrong somewhere else in the equation. And I, I don't mind finding companies like that and bringing them into the fold and working with them if they're willing to do it. And, and I think that's kind of what I like to do every year going into the show. And I'm going to kind of use this opportunity to talk to Jay because I've kind of been talking about the PCA, but. I've been talking out of my ass because I really don't know, and PCA may have been doing this. But one of the things I noticed this year, Jay, in visiting some of these newer companies is how unprepared some of these first-time companies were, like, had no clue. There was one booth I went to that had no order forms, didn't know, like, hey, maybe we're supposed to be here to take orders. You know, we're directing people to their website people who didn't have packaging ready because I there's their first trade show and they didn't realize that no one's delivering your packaging on time. So have a plan B and C, you know, um, I don't know if the PCA provides a, a first time coming to the trade show checklist, how to be better prepared, what you need to know, what you don't need to know, what you should bring. Um, if you do then failure on their part, if you don't, I think it's something that would really behoove people, especially as a first-time company coming in, not really knowing what they're in for, to have that kind of a checklist to say, yeah, this is really help to help us get ready and maybe have a, an opportunity for a better successful show, I think would be very useful for them. How about you,
0: Janie? Um, I'm not... Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Well, I'm just to to Abe, I'm not really sure because that's not something I'm involved with. Um, I do know that there was a lot of work done this year with the BCA companies, and they seem to be very prepared and do well. Um, so I, I just the, don't have the, the answer to that because the, that's not the, the, the deal. The, the
5: Boutique Cigar the, Association? Yeah, they, they seem yeah, uh, pretty A lot prepared. of first-time companies probably aren't going to be involved in that. So I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. If, if they, Like I said, the PCA might be doing something. I'm unaware of it, and these people are just unprepared. But if they're not, I, I think it would Really, if you think about that, Abe, it would really be us that would have to
7: teach them. And what's the incentive for us to help teach our competitors? I mean, we do. And I'll tell you. And I'll tell you what: there are people that you do like. For example, I have a soft spot for Henderson Ventura. I like that kid. I like the fact that he's really into tobacco. I like the fact that he actually makes cigars. I have a soft spot for him. So if Henderson Ventura ever wants to talk to me about anything. I'm always willing to just share whatever bullshit I have to share. But at the same time, um, you know, it's tough because it, it, it's really a lot of these, a lot of people come to the trade show. Look, we all go to our first trade show very ill prepared. You really have no idea what to expect. And one of the things I always tell these new guys is if you write 17 orders at your first trade show, you had a home run. Oh, yeah. You really do. Willie Herrera, his first year, he didn't write 17 orders. Okay, a lot of companies, they don't write barely any orders. And they have to understand that it's a a really long grind. And that one of the things I think a lot of these small companies make a really big mistake on is they shouldn't be trying to go national out of the gate. It's just too expensive a game that they need to focus local, where you can drive to in your car, visiting shops, talking to consumers, talking to shop owners, get to know their local guys much more. Because if you're just going to go in a trade show, because even if you do the trade show small, it's still
5: 30K plus. that's just no way to do it small. Steve, I get it, but with all due respect, you're talking about two different things. You're talking about making a bad decision or a good decision, but I'm talking about the point after the decision is already made. You know what I'm saying? And it's not your job to educate another retailer or another manufacturer. I mean, if you like somebody, you want to get pointers, that's fine, but the PCA is the trade organization. They're there to help and represent the trade. And if I'm coming in, I like, look, I went and saw Kevin Hart, right? We had front row seats for Kevin Hart while I was in Vegas. He did an email with 32 points of how to get to this concert and be prepared and what you need to do and what you need to coach. And that was just a comedy show. So I think making, if if, if, if we're going to attract newer companies as an organization, not as new as a manufacturer, but we're going to attract newer companies and we want them to have a chance for success. I think making a simple, hey, here's a list of maybe how to be better prepared for your trade show is a very basic, simple thing. Even though I'm not a manufacturer, I'm pretty sure I could write up a 12 point thing of how to be better prepared to, you know, for your first trade show. It's not, we're not telling them the formula to success. We're just saying, hey, look, you know, be prepared to take an order. You might want to have one company that you may have sales sheets, man. They didn't even have seal sheets to show their products. I mean, it's. Yeah, but you're basically talking about the stupid of the stupid here. What can you do with it? I get it, man. But also, this is a trade organization. So I'm just saying, why would you not want to try to. But I've, but I've had
7: it in my head for the last 30 years that the trade organization is for the retailer and not for the manufacturer. So I don't know why the PCA would take on that
5: responsibility of teaching Because successful manufacturers make for a better trade show, which is their number one source of revenue.
7: I understand, but I'm just happy that they're getting the experience better for the retailer. So, I, 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 for me, I'd rather their focus be there. But
5: Uh, it's not. It's not a major thing. It's like a one document thing that can. Well,
4: I mean, I mean, they they do say they're a full service organization now. That's that was what they when they rebranded. That was the whole thing. Tell them, Coop. And you know, they don't have a problem going into the media space. So why why not um why not do this is what I'm saying. This is for the benefit, this is a big benefit of your show here. Steve,
5: what I would say, what I would
7: wants, say what I would wants everybody
5: say, to suffer the way he did. You know, what, I,
7: what I would say to a new exhibitor is do it light, do it smart, do it inexpensively, have low expectations, and understand that you're gonna go into this trade show. And you're going to have a couple, three learning years to kind of figure it out a bit. You know what I mean? Not everybody, I mean, look, I think my father benefited from Pete's experience, right? I mean, there's no doubt about it. Pete did the hard work for them on that end of the business. And they actually took cues from him and the way it worked. I had the benefit of being on the buyer side at JR and then with massive, crazy Drew Estate. But I'm still curious, Jay, what, what did you see that caught your eye that was new?
2: Um, to quote Mike, I, I met Howard G last year and I decided to bring him in this year. Um, and I, I feel like he's got some great creative juices. Um, and I, you know, that was one I wanted to bring in because I wanted to highlight him. Um, one of the requests I get it, from a lot of my members is, you know, we want more African American uh, cigar makers. That has been a request that I've heard dozens of times. So I've been looking at Starline and other, other ones out there. And I mean, obviously you want to bring in good cigars, but Howard, his personality is infectious. He makes fantastic cigars um, and, you know, why not give him an opportunity? Um, and like I said, I took a year to think about it. I also brought back in a brand that I haven't carried for several years. I had sort of an interesting relationship with Caravari because. Um, They sold, but they were difficult to get a hold of. And um, I felt like I'm concerned about the economy. And one thing that Curavari does very good is they have inexpensive cigars, but they're good cigars. So I brought them in. And uh, one that I've been looking at for a couple of years, uh, which I'm going to mispronounce Vivo La Vida. Uh, Those guys understand retail. Um, It's funny. I walked into their booth to get their new cigar, the El Pupo. All right. Hopefully, I didn't mispronounce that. And I walked away with the Viva La Vida because they had thought of an ingenious way with a tray that's very well done to present their different blends. And then I heard more about their blends than I think I could possibly receive. And he was a little disappointed at first and said, you've got this thing figured out with this tray. I said, I think that's going to be a better introduction than the new brand that's got the great ratings that are in boxes that are not going to fit on my shelf very well. And I don't have space. Um, And I'm excited about that, about that brand, because I think that uh, once again, they're making a good cigar. That's not outrageously expensive. And then I, I, one that just never, literally I was coming back from the restroom and I was a little, I was familiar with the Martinez cigar factory. They've they've been doing some interesting projects and I like to support LT and the And I wanted to support another American manufacturer. And then I saw the shoes of a guy at Jay London. I'm like, okay, I got to talk to this guy. And I was blown away with how good a cigar was. And for a cigar that's made in the United States, it tastes great. And it's a it's a pretty good price point. So I took a shot on him. And then there were a number of other companies, kind of like where Aves at were. I went to their booths. I looked at them. And I'm thinking about them. And maybe next year I'll bring them in or the year after. Um, but I just didn't have a budget for a lot of new people. Uh, There was another company I brought in where I liked their cigars, but their packaging was horrible. And I tried to say in a very nice way that your packaging sucks. So I said, "Well, how about you send me these cigars, but send them naked, and I'll sell them as a uh, as a house blend." And that turned out to be a good situation because no one was going to buy those cigars in the boxes and the bands they had. And I was very upfront with them about that. But I thought they had good cigars that, once again, were less than eight dollars. So that's what I'm looking for. I say, yeah, I bought a couple of $100 cigars of the show, but I also wanted to bring, I brought, had a conscious effort to bring in several lines of cigars that were under $9. Because one thing I hear from my customers is maybe not the box guys, but the guys who come in three or four times a week and buy two or three cigars. Hey, I don't want to buy a $12 cigar. What do you have that's eight, $9? That's good. That's a very small universe. Uh, so I focused on that, and that helped drive my decisions. I mean, Howard's cigars are a little bit more expensive, but I, I think they're really good. And like I said, I've been looking at him for two years, and he and I have talked extensively. So to me, that was just a lamp to bring him in. And my good friend Bear uh, is the one that introduced me to him, and I, I'm just looking forward to him doing well. So I was glad that Mike mentioned him as well.
0: It's kind of segueing there, um talking about higher price cigars, uh, especially the retailers, you know seeing these brands come out with some higher priced as new releases, how, how do you kind of deal with that? Is that something that you kind of stick with the brands that you've done with and you think you'll do well with those? Or, or do you kind of shy away from some of these higher priced offerings that th- is kind of the new trend?
2: I got kind of burned last year um, with a couple of companies. Um, I can sell a $100 unicorn. I don't know how, but I do. and. I can sell a $30 Rocky Patel. I could probably sell a $100 Rocky Patel. You know, I had no trouble selling $70 Placencia cigars. So $100 Placencia cigar with a big old volcanic rock, that's easy. But a company that's not normally in that price range, um, I'm very skittish, particularly if it's a new company and the only cigar they have is over $20. that That's a tough ask. You know, I, Steve I, Saka Steve said this over and over again. You know, Pardone just didn't come out with the 1926, you know, in 1964. It took years to build to that. So I, I'm more uh, focused upon brands that have established core lines. Um, you know, it's it's real easy to sell an Escaso for Pete, even the Granite Luxury Escasos, because you have Havana 6, you have other cigars that are more affordable. But just for a new brand and all they have is 20 30 and $40 I stay away from that because I, I've been burned too many
0: times in the past. How are you, Abe or Mike?
3: Go ahead, Abe.
5: I mean, look, it, it was the year of the high-end cigar, but at the end of the day, no one's gonna make these cigars if consumers aren't buying them. And consumers are just buying them. Um and look, as a retailer, sometimes, I mean, Steve will tell you now, we're running a, a, a 12-week-long summer of stock promotion, and I, I've just been flabbergasted at at what consumers are spending, um, how much they're buying, um, and I just think as a retailer, you, look, I've always said it many, many times, because I do get a lot of people, especially who want to get in this business, ask for advice. If you're scared of inventory, don't get in this business. Don't get in any retail business if inventory scares you. Money in the bank is, well, I can't say it's worthless because it's actually nowadays, it's actually pretty good. At, you know, CDs are paying like 5% plus. But I mean, money in the bank's not that great. Inventory's king if you know how to move it. And um, if you're scared of inventory, retail sales is not your thing. So I've always at any point in my career, if you walked into anyone of my retail stores, the first thing you'd say when you walk in the room is "Holy cow!" Right? I mean, we've always had things stocked to the hilt because I love inventory. Inventory is your ability to sell. So, um, you know, we will try um, these types of cigars. I think Rocky had our cigars, because it doesn't kill you to bring one or two boxes and see how the market goes. And if you have a better feeling, you can go a little bit deeper. Um, I think he might have gotten some of those oliva ones i think i have a standing back order with steve for his unicorns waiting for it to eventually come and drop so i mean if you're going to do just look if you're afraid of inventory and you're afraid to try stuff like this you really never know the limitations of what your retail store can, can ask do the question
7: differently inventory. though abe it's not a question of like, look when you're when you're betting on a Placencia or a, a My Father Anniversary or a Padrone or a, a you know a God of Fire or something where there's like a huge history for those products. It's different than the brand new fresh company that's got no track record. The
5: first product out of the gates, you know, twenty dollars and up. I know, but we won't, we don't carry those brands. But you know as well as I do, is there are retailers who buy from you, buy from Rocky. Um, and buy from leva, but won't make that leap because they just don't feel their consumer base is there. You right. know, or they, they, they don't tell adhere. you by my own
7: numbers. I sell way more umbagogs and mi and regular old sober mesa brulees than I sell of you know paladin to Saka's and unicorns and all that Okay,
5: stuff. great. Once again, I don't know what that has to do with what I'm saying. I'm saying is a retailer providing service to the consumer, there is that market there. And as a retailer, it's my job to provide people what they want. And I'm telling you, what I'm seeing is people want this product. Otherwise, I wouldn't be buying it and you wouldn't be making it. You know, I mean, you, you've been out of your unicorns now for what, two months or a month? Yeah, and when's when's your next well, shipment coming in? Yeah, so we out in you. February. So yeah. Okay. So yeah, keep telling me about, it. I mean, that that's my point. As a retailer, my job is to provide consumers. Their needs. It's not about what I like. I sell half of what I don't like. You know, I mean, that's not my job. I don't make a living on what I like as a brand or what I like as a cigar. My personal taste profiles. My job to be a good retailer is to, to listen to my base, listen to people who are paying the rent and paying my place and provide them what they want. And there is that market. And I think there are people, because probably five, six years ago, I was that guy. You know, oh, I'm not gonna bring it up garden, nobody's buying it. There are people that are buying it, and I think as a retailer, you shouldn't be afraid to take that leap, especially if you want to try something once you might be surprised as to what your base might be capable of. Because sometimes I'm underestimating what our consumer base is capable of and what they want. So I'm just giving advice out there to other retailers who may not because look, everybody's making it, they're not making it because it's not selling, Steve. There are people out there who Want a special occasion cigar? Want to buy a hundred dollars cigar? Say, hey, I've smoked a hundred dollars cigar. Now I'm not buying Joe Blow's company who just came out yesterday is making hundred cigars because this guy's got no track record. But we're talking about legitimate companies that've been around for a while now who are making high end cigars and making cigars in that hundred dollar price range. I'm
7: agreeing hundred percent, Abe. I, I'm I'm on the same page with you. There are, there are people that smoke Almas and they want a special Alma. There's people that smoke they and they want a drone. There's people that smoke for yeah. one. They want that cherry cherry for one thing. Same thing with Pete. I mean, there are those consumers.
5: Yeah, and and, and I think as a good retailer, you shouldn't be afraid to try to cater those because I think I think more retailers would be shocked at how many consumer how many how many of their consumers might have bought something like that had they had it than they they would typically think.
3: All right. Before the West side story and knife fight breaks out between Sock and Abe, I do want to add one quick thing real cool, real fast. (laughs) You know, here's the, the one thing that I like in particular when it comes. I will invest with some of those guys and take a shot with some of those smaller dudes that are that are making bigger cigars, more expensive cigars. And I have to meet with them first. Right. Because I believe that. We got to pull together. Right. As a manufacturer, a brand owner, or and a retailer, everybody has to work in unison to some level. There's definitely different degrees of that level. I mean, you know, case in point, Unlucky 13 and then like Frog Juice and all of those things, you explode a retailer because you say, hey, I believe in you. You know, yes, this isn't a huge. I'm not going to make a ton of money on this transaction, but hey, it'll help give me a footprint and establish more with that shop. Now, maybe those other brand owners aren't capable of doing something like that to that magnitude, but if they're building and promoting and say, hey, you know, my stuff is accessible here. You can't find it? Go check this out. You know, that's a draw to my store or my online presence. Without, because I'm working with somebody that isn't aligned in in that, you know, hey, I'm good at what I do. And hey, I believe that you're good at what you do. So, you know, I don't mind taking that shot. I don't mind spending two, three grand with, with that company, giving them their facings and, and, and seeing how that opportunity goes. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't go, there's always a way to move that product, right? So, you know, I think that that's honestly the biggest thing of this industry. I mean, how many people have both of you guys have been hit up and say, hey, I want, you know, I want you to make a cigar for me. Right. Because, you know, they want you to be in line with them. They want to build more business with you guys. So, you know, again, maybe those guys can't do that, but they have other ways of, of help promoting your store and promoting sales for your store. So I'll take that investment. I'll take that shot.
0: All right, we kind of missed uh I wanted to chat with coop about uh any brands or booths that he hit like for the first time that kind of caught his caught his eye
4: yeah I mean we there were a few first time booths I think the uh a couple of small ones that really caught our eye was um the uh Arnold Seraphin's booth um he he was pretty impressive just uh you know he's a guy who's making cigars out of Tampa he seems to have a a good handle of the industry he seems to have um uh, you know, just a nice brand, uh, his brand seraph into Cuba, actually. And uh, the cigars were the cigars were good. I mean, the cigars were really good uh, as well. So I, I was that was one that definitely not only the cigars caught my attention, but him as a person caught my attention. Uh, the other the other one was uh, the Hoot Young guys that uh, we had never met them before. So we met the two principals involved with that. And uh, what was interesting about that booth is they were actually kind of trying to learn about us. Like what we, you know, they weren't really familiar with Cigar Coop or a lot of cigar media, but they were taking a lot of time to try to understand what we do and what we were about as well. And again, I thought they had some pretty good cigars. They uh, they have one cigar that's coming from Eladio Diaz. Uh, it's a $15 price point, which, you know, these days you may say that's not super expensive for a small company. But, um, you know, again, who's making the cigar is some pedigree behind it. So it was something that, that, that caught my attention there. So. I would say those are the two companies that stood out to me this year at the trade show. Okay.
0: Uh, next topic I have is uh, what I listed as spectacles and kind of made me around celebrities and things like that with, you know, Guy Fieri, uh, Chaz Terry, Chad Johnson. I know there were some other celebrities that weren't necessarily presenting a brand or anything like that, but they were around the show floor. I know Carl Lone was actually there in the La Aurora booth. Uh, Alonzo Mourning was being hounded by Mike the entire time. Um, but yeah, uh, would, do you guys feel that uh, that the celebrities there is a good thing, a bad thing, or you're indifferent to it altogether? I
6: think it's a great thing for the industry. Yeah, I absolutely believe that the the more people that are talking about this industry, the better. And to have uh, guys like that on the trade show floor just creates buzz around what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, obviously, Eric's doing really well with what he does with Guy, but. Ultimately, I think it promotes the whole industry, so it benefits all of us.
7: I agree 100%. The more, the better. I
6: mean,
4: well you know, we interviewed Chaz Palmateri, and what was interesting about him is he's not a a big smoker, a cigar smoker, but he does love the industry. He does love what it represents, and that's why he got involved with it. It was not so much he had someone blend a cigar because he wanted a cigar to have his own cigar. It, this was something he wanted to do more as a tribute to his family. And like I said, he, he was genuinely enthusiastic about the industry, even though he was very honest and said, I'm not a big cigar smoker. And I think when you have something like that, that's a good testament for the industry. When someone comes into the industry like that from the outside.
5: Yeah. I agree with Steve and the better, the more, exposure of stuff like this that broadens the 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 voice of our culture is ultimately a positive thing for everybody
4: yeah i I thought it was I think like I said I think it's I think it's there's nothing but a positive with that um especially like I said we've talked a lot about what guy's done over the last twelve months uh or even maybe the last 18 months since getting into the industry I mean he's he's been an integral part of it um so that's a great. That's a great testament, and he set he set the bar for everybody else. Yeah,
0: and then we also had the uh, El Septimo ashtrays, the super expensive ashtrays. I, d- I felt like that it was a bit of a not as but big of a buzz around that as there was the lighters last year, but I-, I don't know if that you know. I'm sure there was a draw to their booth in regards to that, but I'm not sure if it was as as big as last year was.
8: The it?
3: was it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't
5: know. I didn't go see it.
3: How many? Yeah. Did you get, babe? how many did you get?
5: I didn't even see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would have, I would have stole it before I
3: went to go look at it. <laughs> you just work out a deal with the security guard, man. Yeah, but I, I feel the
7: same way about that kind of stuff. I mean, look, we can all have a conversation. Does this make any sense? But anything that causes discussion, interest, debate, whatever it may be. I, I think ultimately is a good thing. So I think as an industry as a whole. I I like seeing crazy stuff like that. Now, would it be my business model? No, but every company is a little different, right? We all have our our lanes that we tend to stay in. I couldn't drive in that lane. I'm not part of that lane. I understand that. But the fact that that lane is there, yeah, what the hell? It's no no skin off my balls for them to have a whatever million dollar ashtray. I don't even know how much it was. How much? How much were they asking? 10, oh, I think it was 10, 10
0: or 11 million. Yeah, 10 like
7: million dollars. Yeah, they, $1. They, $1. yeah $1. Right,
0: that's that's folding money, right? <laughs>
7: Come
0: on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so just taking kind of a poll of the room, uh, what do you think was well done at the trade show this year? And it could be at, at any level, it could be something super small, detail that you thought just kind of You know, move things along that people may not have noticed or could be something big. But what do you think was well done at at this trade show?
3: I got a small one. one. Go for it. Fucking badges. They didn't rip off and, you know, become decrepit on day two. You know, (laughs) as stupid as that sounds. Thank you, but Pete. But wasn't, wasn't that last
5: year? Wasn't the badges nice last year? I remember yeah, talking they about were. last year. Yeah, they were. They were nice last year. This wasn't. Yeah. yeah, this wasn't the first year of nice
7: uh, badges. I
3: didn't. I didn't notice last year. I guess. But no, this, no, no. This. I, I literally brought that, really that up. I really brought up last year. You know what else year. I
7: liked? It? But there was a big improvement on the badges. Got to give the tap people credit, right? That was your lanyard, right, Pete? Yeah. The yeah. The lanyard is long body. enough for a fat man. I, I was like, really? <laughs> they always make those lanyards and I feel like I'm wearing a dog collar. The lanyard, <laughs> good drip, good drip on the lanyard. So it was a, it was definitely nice.
6: Yeah,
7: you know those little. I, I had nothing digs.
6: to do with the length of the lanyard.
7: Well, God we bless whoever did the
6: artwork. <laughs> I'll, I'll give, I'll give the PCA staff all the credit on that.
7: They did a good job on that one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I felt I felt like everything was a little smoother. The badge check-in was smoother. I felt like the security staff was much more level-headed. Yeah, it just everything just felt much easier all the way around. I mean, it just it just everything seemed a little smoother, a little more organized, and, and you can see that. like there was a transition from when Don was so actively involved with the PCA. And then she transitioned to a new job. And and you, you see the improvements with Scott and with Lisa and that whole PCA staff. Uh, they're just better organized and they're better at their jobs, which just makes it easier for everybody around.
6: I agree with that. I'll tell you what, the one thing that really made me happy, I got into the the Jason Newman episode of Hand Roll, uh, probably about 10 minutes left in it. And it was nice to see that they had, A bigger stage, two screens, better sound. I think the seminars actually benefited from that. What was really nice, all the way from where we were sitting in our booth when they were having their their general meeting for the PCA, I actually heard applause coming from that other hall, which is the first time I've heard that in years. So obviously, the people that were the retail members that were participating in those things, they actually appreciated those things. And it was nice to hear like a little bit of enthusiasm uh, from those people. Uh, In the years past, we didn't get that, which is nice to see a change.
7: I'll tell you something that's just totally just, you guys don't get it all because you just don't see it. I'm so thankful that the PCA finally switched to the tuxedo black gray carpet instead of the red show carpet being the built-in carpet (laughs) because nobody wants an ugly red carpet in their booth. So then you get having to pay for extra carpeting because they choose such an ugly color, so the fact that they choose a nice neutral color that we as exhibitors don't have to spring for an extra eight to twelve thousand dollars, you know, so we don't have this garish red carpet. I know that sounds petty, but that's eight to ten k that you can put into contributing to the opening gala or that you can put into maybe giving away an extra promo at your booth or doing something else. It's those small little decisions that seem so inconsequential that really make a difference in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. You're taking yeah, I, it.
6: I, I just think that they're listening better. I think they're actually taking notes better, and yep. they're actually implementing better things for the yep. the show as a whole, which is great. I think they're taking a lot of input from the media. Yep. I mean, I know that you guys have a media day where you actually sit down and get to you know do a and A with the the staff. Yep. So it's nice they're they're listening yep. Yep. and and moving forward with with positive things.
4: I I think Pete, I agree, and I think the whole first day. Oh people call it day zero, but the day that first day, I think moving the uh opening meeting from the breakfast to the afternoon, I think was much better. I think they did better content uh this year. I think they have some more work to do with it, but but I think it's in the right direction. I think this is the direction they should be going in for for that day zero um flow. I thought it was, you know. I mean we could we could say yeah, the lines were bad at the opening at the opening uh party, but those things I think are fixable. These are, there's there's things that are fixable with that, you know? And I think I have confidence because they, like Pete said, they listen, they implement, they do. They look and see where things were wrong and they've, they've tried to fix it. Um, So I got to give them credit on that.
5: I tell you where I've been a big fan of, although Coop may not agree with it. um, I love the later start and the opening of the show, the later floor, man, no one wants to get up at eight in the morning to be on the floor at nine in the morning when you're in Vegas. I think it's been insane for many, many years. You know, I know it doesn't work in your schedule, Coop, but it works out for the rest of us. Well it works I mean, out for the rest of us, Coop.
4: No, but if they can fix some things like we said before with the media, because we're gonna lose that day four. Um, I, I if we could get some, you know, if the media can kind of work the Florida's couple hours before the eleven o'clock start, um I understand that. I understand that retailers don't want to put orders. I understand people don't want to give up their bar Lucca time. So I mean that's that's what this is all about. So um I mean Listen, to I, me, I, whether I, it's bar or not, I didn't hit Bar one time that night.
5: I wasn't in bed before two in the morning. I You're I'm in Vegas. Be- you know, unless my name is William Cooper, I'm not going to bed before two AM.
4: Oh, I wasn't going to bed at two. ask well, the guy. There, well, I went to bed it. and I was getting up. Ask as yeah. yeah. these guys.
5: Have it. So I mean, not not starting a show at nine o'clock at night in the morning. I think oh, it's man. in the best interest of everybody there. Yeah, I like the I like
7: the 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. schedule. It was it's much more work.
4: It's really an 11 o'clock to 6 p.m. and that's where I had the. It's uh, easier, no, it's more the, dis-
7: the VIPs are coming in at 10.
5: Yeah. The media
7: was yeah, I, we
5: had this conversation. The majority of the people are staying in the guest hotel, so the majority of the people are coming on the floor at 10. Yeah. Uh,
7: yeah, yeah. I, I I like the shift an hour later. I, I like that a lot.
5: Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah, I think everybody, I think a lot of everybody. Sorry, Pete. No, Everybody
4: likes no, it, but Coop. No. I, I, there's a couple people We had have this conversation up. on KMA. Yeah, there's Everybody other people who haven't Baku. spoken up on the panel that may agree with me on this.
6: Well, Coop, I, I, I actually, as John? not a board member of the PCA, I'm not, um, even though they've tried to get me back on, I don't see why you're not allowed in uh, with the VIPs. We, we are that. allowed in the BIP. BIP. Oh, we are. Yeah, we, are. I'm we, are. Why we are. You yeah, are. We are. Yeah. yeah. ARP. okay so it didn't hinder what you know No, were it's just
7: Coop wants to, he wants us all to be cracking the whip at no, six in the morning well no
6: the, the
4: problem <laughs> is we've, we've actually it's it's the six o'clock end time that really is the problem for us yeah absolutely. it's not it's not the start it, that's really where it's that six o'clock which is just it compresses a lot of time in the evening where we used to have a little more time in the evening before the activities now it compresses it and it was time that was critical for us that now we have to do much later at night
7: yeah, but no, I mean but listen also man, putting your I, I don't see media. you're gonna you're gonna crunch really hard for three days we we have to crunch as manufacturers that that whole week before the trade show is sheer misery
2: yeah I mean yeah,
6: Coop, actually- I was I was in a in a meeting with the CRA up until seven o'clock and I had to get back to my room, which was six miles away get changed and be at my dinner at seven thirty. And I still managed to beat my wife getting ready amazingly enough, but (laughs) I still got there on time and it's it's a crunch, but ultimately it's something we all have to do. But to get up the next morning when we're all hanging out at Bar Luca until the wee hours of the morning, we want that extra one hour of sleep. No, I I think plus I I wanted that one extra hour of the F one race, you know.
4: (laughs) Yeah, you go.
2: I think Jay Davis should
6: prioritize
5: the the board, you know, to accommodate
2: well, <laughs> no, I, I really think a lot of credit goes to should go to uh John Anderson and Greg Zimmerman because they've done two things. They have opened up elections and they have put um, a lot of people with big voices on the board, and more importantly, they've listened to them. And then also the other thing they've done is they they took the handcuffs off Scott Pierce. So, you know. There's, there's been an effort yeah. to not have the PCA board be a bunch of white dudes from New England and Virginia. They, they've been trying to get uh, members who are west of the Mississippi, members who have experience with advocacy, uh, members who are not afraid to speak up, both manufacturers and retailers. So I think a lot of credit should go to John Anderson and Greg Zimmerman by making these changes and being oh. to listen. because. I know that uh, it's got to be challenging for some of these people that have been on the board for a long time to listen to people like me or Michael Herklotz or Josh Severitz, bringing up things that maybe make them a little uncomfortable. That shows a lot of humility. And like I said, I think it's been the best show we've had in a long time. I know that 2022 was the most profitable show in the show's history for the PCA as far as money for advocacy. And this year wouldn't surprise me if it's greater. So it's good to hear the positive comments. Obviously, there are some things that we still need to upgrade. Um, I would like to see the the row, row numbers up in the ceilings, and that's expensive, but that's an area. And then I'd like to see the app come back. And the great thing is that the board and Scott, they're hearing that and they're willing to listen. So talking
7: um, about that, I agree, hanging stuff is really expensive, but putting the the numbers on the floor isn't as expensive. So yeah, maybe no. it's a question of, getting a manufacturer to donate floor mats with just the aisle numbers and their brand on it. You know what I mean? And you could put those on on the ends of the aisles on both ends. And that would serve the same purpose. If we all knew that at the beginning of the aisle and the end of the aisle is going to have the aisle number. You just know to look down. You'd learn that in two
0: seconds. And that doesn't cost the hanging cost. I feel like we we had that at one point before.
6: We did. We we did. We did actually. I think Drew, Drew actually was uh, the floor mat people one year.
7: Yeah. I think that's a bright idea to just put, you know, big because you can get those floor mats now made custom printed for really inexpensive. You could do PCA branded ones if you wanted. Who cares? I mean, but I mean, it's another it's another sponsorship thing you could probably get. Yeah. Because
6: I the, actually uh, thought they had them though. For some reason, I thought they were offering that as a sponsorship this year. Uh, we do but, have the floor mats, but we don't have we do. the ones up in the ceiling. Yeah. yeah, I don't think you need those ones up on the ceiling. It's, it's I don't a waste think of you need money. the ones up on the ceiling
5: either. And
7: yeah, the rigging cost is just too absurd. Anything uh, you do above, when you get a cherry picker in there, you're already spending five to twelve thousand dollars. I mean, it's crazy how much it costs to hang something from the ceiling.
0: All right, since Jay kicked it off, let's start the complaints about what didn't go well or what could have been better.
4: I'll, I'll start you it. Made me fired. I'll start it. <laughs> the the CRA you, meeting. Yeah, the CRA. Wait, meeting, wait, wait. Right? By the way, Coop is starting. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm starting because I have it fresh <laughs> on my mind and we just talked about it. So the, C- <laughs> this, the CRA meeting, right? My question is, why isn't this just on the schedule? Hey, at this time, they're all gathered. This is like it the was, third generation. It was, it was
6: horrible. That that whole thing was a
4: complete disaster, in my opinion. But it's it's been like that three years in a row where, like, because we've gotten here's the thing like like I had two big appointments. You were one of them, and Nick Malo was the other one that that kind of blew our whole schedule out. But if I had known that this was on the schedule, you know, and retailers is the same that they could plan accordingly. Plus, people will show up there, and the more people you have there, I think, the better. I mean, why wouldn't that just be put on the schedule? I, I, missed, no, the whole, I missed. Unfortunately,
6: the unfortunately, uh, the the organizations should have been working together a long time ago, and they're not. Right. And that's the biggest fault that we have in our industry: is that these two organizations—one is primarily uh, primarily a manufacturer group, and the other one is supposed to be more of a retail group—and somehow they don't want to communicate the way they should. Right. Um, I have a huge problem with them on the board of the CRA, and I I I hated our general meeting. I thought it was poorly executed. Um, there wasn't enough people there. Uh, you know, a lot of people are doing business. They don't, they don't, they don't want to leave their booth. I would rather hold a, another party somewhere to get everybody in the room so we can actually talk about things. Yeah, because during the trade show, it's tough, man. It's tough. I mean, Steve right. Steve's in his booth working all day. What, I was the, I I almost missed a couple meetings. My, my problem, Pete, was they that.
7: told us they told us the location and the time of the CRA meeting. We I got notified of it Friday morning. Ten minutes. <laughs> And I'm like, wait a minute! I already have people booked for this time on on. I, I could I couldn't leave them stranded. Yeah. So, no. Absolutely. Just, just yeah. we need to know the time and the location. Right. Right. I, I think it's a good thing.
4: I think it's a good I thing, I thing. can block it off. Yeah.
6: Yeah. If if uh, if again, both organizations actually communicated better with each other, we we could actually have it as part of the general meeting, maybe. I, I but, agree, Pete. We just don't, I've unfortunately. I, I've wanted to go the last three years, and
2: I always find out about it afterwards. Um, I'll bring that up at the next board meeting. I, I agree. We need to – we're doing some things well with coordinating with CRA and CA on legislative issues, but I think we need to do a better job of making sure that we're communicating ahead of the trade show, and I, I'll bring that to the board. I think that's a great suggestion.
1: Yeah, I think I think the, the theme of this trade show, and I think both Steve and Abe have said it, There's been a lot of really good incremental improvements, and I think possibly the most incremental improvement we've seen in a single trade show, and I've been attending now for 11 years. And so I think, you know, just keeping that trend going forward. So, you know, is there complaints? Yeah, but I don't see it as a complaint. I see it as this worked well, it can work better. Here's a way to, you know, nudge that dial a little bit. Like, you know, we talked about media access, maybe pushing it up a little bit more. Because I, w- I will be there on the floor at 9 a.m. if that's if that's an option. The Canadian will be ready to go at 9 a.m. despite how blurry-eyed I am. Uh, but it's just it's just a matter of continuing that flow of incremental improvement through to March, through to the New Orleans show. And I think those those moving that dial in in little measurable ways does have a substantial impact overall in the in the flow of the trade show because, you know, we've talked about the lineups at the uh, gala, but honestly, pulling the people in the line, I don't think it was a single person who stood in that line for that entire time who had a dour face, who, who were unhappy. They were still happy to stand in line. They were still happy to be there. And I don't know that there's a lot of lines that you can have this group of people stand in for yeah. that length of time and they're still come out of that happy at the end of it. So... You know, can the line improve? Yes. But people didn't come out of that, you know, with a negative experience. No one came out of it saying, oh, man, the gala was good, but the line was terrible. Everyone came out of it going, it was a great experience. And here's how we can do it better for next time.
7: Just look at the tone and tenor of this conversation compared to the one we were having in 2019. Yep. <laughs> and well, I, agree. I agree. You can all tell that there's been a vast, I mean, when you, we talk about the incremental changes, but they are stacking up. Because this is a much different conversation
2: than we were, we're having four happy. or five years ago. For sure. Well, even two years ago on the show. Yeah.
0: yeah. My suggestion would be for water stations throughout the show floor. Um, there, there were times where I was like, you know, hawking booths to say, do you have any bottled water? Do you have any bottled water? It was just, it's that's, so dry that's, there. That's,
6: that's, that's another that's, thing that they talked about. I think that was a sponsorship thing also.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, somebody needs to pick that um, up.
6: Uh, ultimately, ultimately, you know, Aaron, yeah, there's a lot of things that that, that the PCA offers for, for sponsorships, but there's just not a lot of people stepping up to take Got those it. sponsorships. And, here,
7: and here's the problem with the sponsorship: it's the it's the convention services that make it so hard. Mm. They mm-hmm. Charge you such an absurd amount of money of what they right. want to give you a bottle of water. I mean, the bottle of water is like what four seventy five or five twenty five a bottle. So when you start talking about sponsoring a water station, you're talking about literally, they want like $28,000, you know? Oh, wow. I mean, so some of the, some of the asks, this is, this isn't, this is something the PCA can't control. You know what I mean? Because the convention services people themselves have such absurd prices on some of these things. Right.
1: Yeah. I, I thought the, uh, yeah,
2: and the water fountains are gross. And they are <laughs> gross.
1: I thought the uh, PCA meeting area was well-utilized uh, there was, I think it was on day four. There was a sort of, I think it was kind of impromptu because I didn't get an advanced notification, but there was a, there was a sort of a breakfast coffee station there on the last day is either the day three or day four, day four. Uh, that went off really well. Uh, I think it, it had people known about that in advance, uh, that would have been a lot busier early on because we kind of just happened across it and obviously descended like locusts. But, uh, you know, I think that, I think that was very positive. Um, Obviously Well, well I,
6: I'll tell you, every morning when I would wake up, I would get the uh, email from the PCA, yes. actually a couple of them, because I have a few different emails registered, but uh I needed that, because I needed that schedule. Like, yeah. what time am I supposed to be there? What's happening today? And honestly, that that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's nice guess- to see them using that communication better. I'm,
5: I'm going to tell you what, one thing I learned from this show, is how much shit I didn't actually know about the show this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there was storytelling mode. I didn't know it was breakfast stuff. I, in fact, I was reading one of the comments. I guess you guys had some kind of text alerts, reminders. Jay? Yeah. Hey,
8: oh, yeah. See, I
2: got I got to sign up for that shit. I didn't even know about that either. Oh, by the way, soccer, great job. I got an email and a text uh, update as to don't forget your appointment. I don't yep. think any other manufacturer did.
4: Oh, That was great. That was great, too.
7: Yeah, but that's just me using Calendly as software. So that's just a question. Any any manufacturer can do that. I highly recommend it. $15. But they don't. But they, don't. but they don't. but they don't. I just think they don't know about it.
4: You know, a little thing that they did for the media, I don't know if it was utilized enough. but And, and we have to figure out how to utilize it maybe better with the media pods that was set up. This year uh, where their meeting areas, their Internet access, download capabilities, and there were these little mobile offices that they had set up towards the back. Um, We have to figure a way that we would utilize them better. Maybe they they had, I think, more than they needed this year. But again, I got to give the PCA credit because we've been asking for media space for a while. A lot of people have been asking for media space for a while, and they delivered on that this year. So um, if anything, we have to figure a better way that we can leverage that to keep it going.
2: Didn't even know about that. And the, and the couches back there were comfy.
3: Did you know it, about the golf simulator? Yeah, it was right next to your it was right, yeah, Aaron Nielsen. Did, found you, did found you see the like whole aisle one. of
7: stripper poles? You missed that too, Abe. It was that too. It
3: was Aaron
6: Nielsen found, found the golf simulator on day one. What trade show were you guys at? I was going to say i was say, I'm
5: starting to question if I was really there. It might have like your dream, Jeez. So this isn't a
7: complaint, but one thing I'd really love <laughs> for the PCA to do is I'd love for them to rent space and put a cash bar and tables. So there's a place every night that's open from seven to midnight where everybody can go. So you don't have to do the Bar Luca thing. You don't Mm -hmm. have to figure out where to meet people, particularly a place like New Orleans, where we are going to have a hard time smoking. Um, That would be something that I would be willing to sponsor. It doesn't have to be paid for. There doesn't have to be hors d'oeuvres. It doesn't have to be anything fancy, but if there's just extra convention floor space where they just set up cash bars every night, and there's a place where there's tables and chairs where people can go and hang out and congregate because that's the reason why we all stand at that crazy bar in Vegas. I don't do it anymore. I don't think Abe does it anymore. It's just too hard. But if there is a place, the opening gala without all the frills, cash well, bar we did
6: that we chair. did that two years ago. Yeah, but you did it, you did it, you did it, it like right it
7: after the show closed, right? right? And everybody's going to dinner. What we need is we need a place that opens like from eight to midnight. Okay. That everybody knows that hey, if I go here, there's gonna be a place I can smoke a cigar, sit down, talk with my friends, buy some drinks, all of well, that.
6: I, I, that's I what that's what the after dark stuff that they did. But the problem was that a lot of the after dark stuff they did was off property. Yeah.
8: It, it you know, been, yeah. the one
6: I did, the one I did was actually on the property. You had to walk through a maze to get to it, but uh, at least it was in the the Venetian Canal shops. So, And I was actually surprised they allowed smoking in there, which was really cool.
7: I think you'd be surprised at the attendance for something like that. And I think the convention people would be happy because they're getting to rent you more space, getting to rent you more tables, and they're going to get the cash bar take and they they would do well.
4: If they I, agree. If, I think yeah, I think what they need is like a host lounge, like like to make, you know, something like the Bar Luca experience, but it's dedicated for PCA. And I realize the Venetian probably wasn't willing to work w- with uh the PCA on this, but maybe that's something that the convention center in New Orleans, you know, they could do next you know, in the next few shows. But that, I think that's what yeah. that, I think that's what Steve is kind of looking at here.
2: No, the Venetian was terrible. They had that Electra Bar that used to be the champagne bar. Where you could smoke a cigarette or a vape, and then they had the high-end bar. They could have dedicated those three bars for us, yep. and the Venetian. They were not happy that we were not renewing, and they did nothing to help us.
4: I, I can understand that, I, and I totally see that. That it was definitely a Venetian problem. I mean, they made it difficult, obviously, with the table minimums at Bar Luca, from what I heard about. Yeah, and but here's the oh, it, oh,
7: the table minimums really aren't a problem because the prices are like twenty five dollars a cocktail. Probably you couldn't get drinks. So it was hard to even spend the money if you wanted because they didn't have enough weights yeah. to handle the overload. That's why four cash bars set up in a in a convention space, tables, chairs, ashtrays. I, I, I think you'd be surprised how many people would go there after dark to just hang out and talk because that's what we really want to do. We want to talk to our friends. We want to talk to retailers. We want to talk to our fellow manufacturers. I think you get a lot of people that would go to something like that.
6: We right. had that. We mm-hmm. had that a, a few years ago. It was just—I think a lot of people didn't want to make the trek back to the show floor, but yeah. they were on the show
4: floor it, or it, not. But it—but they wanted to on be on the show floor.
6: The but problem it was set is up they,
4: poorly. Yeah, they don't want to be like in this industrial like area. They kind of want to be in the vague, They kind of want to have the Vegas feel. Um, that's what I heard from a lot of people who didn't utilize that. Is that they? they yeah, they wanted to go to Barwood because they felt like they were you know part of Vegas. You know, with that. And well, I think it was a good idea. I just think people just didn't want to be on in an industrial area, smoking. At yeah. That point.
2: You you want some good news? Next year at the show, where Resorts World is much more willing to work with us, there's a bar that can take fifteen hundred people, where they're going to let us smoke after show after hours. That's why. Right, that's another right, place. Yeah. Good, eight,
6: yeah. yeah. So it, can it, Resorts can World is, fit that many people? Oh, it's not.
2: It's not eight. I don't remember what it, Scott told me what it was called, but there's going to be. Um, that property is much more willing to work with us. And, uh, I think that next year I'm excited about it. I think there's gonna be a lot more places to smoke, um, after sh- show hours. And then also having a couple of host hotels will help. So I think yeah. that will be really
6: positive.
4: Yeah. Wow. It is like one of a series of lounges that like, that are next to each other. And then there's like a veranda for each of these that's outside as well. So, and that would probably be better yeah. to smoke outside this time of the year, that time of the year, I should say. So, yeah, I we, we went moment.
2: to the veranda the, the the day before the show, and after we had fourteen hours of meetings, there was a veranda and they had air conditioning and they had these um, uh, moisture machines, and we sat outside and it was great. Um, so, I think next year is
4: going to be much better.
2: Awesome, credit resorts world for for being flexible. Yeah,
4: yeah. I think that's a big plus. I think that would be a big plus. Yeah. If they had
2: a convention center um, that was big enough for us, that would be an easy
0: decision, and that may come in the future. All right. Before we kind of wrap up this year's show, any topics that we did not hit that you guys wanted to bring up?
1: Abe?
5: Oh, no. I was just off to wrapping up.
0: All right. Uh, so
5: <laughs> I think it was the last one. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the coffee right now. Yep. I'm just trying to fade out. Cool.
2: Actually, Aaron, I have something I want to bring yeah, up that's gonna go that's gonna stir her in its cornice nest. Um how do I say this? Although I'm not sure how candid we as an organizational board were at the media conference, I would like to see more media at the media conference. And if the media feels like they're getting the runaround on a question, I think they should push harder. Um I feel like media has a responsibility in whatever field it is to push back and get answers. And I'm sitting in the crowd and I'm thinking, God, I wish they'd say this. I wish they'd say that, you know, because that's the only way we're going to get better is if people push at us. And I think the media could push harder at the media conference. So hopefully it doesn't piss you guys off, but I just think that Mm -hmm. we need that. We need more criticism and, and honest questions. Are you saying that William Cooper's not manly enough? I, I spoke. <laughs> and, I was
4: one of you know, people who he, spoke he
2: Coop spoke and um one of the guys from Half Wheel spoke, but there were a lot of people that were angry yeah. about things that didn't speak. And I think it would have been good for them to express their frustration because if that's angry react,
5: about If you're angry about something and don't speak, then shame on you. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
4: I, I look, I, I had a I I'm very candid. People I know people had gripes on certain things and they kept quiet. Um And then there's about half the media guys who just choose not to go to that. And I've asked media guys, please go to this meeting um because I want them to continue to have this meeting. It is a great forum. And I felt I felt at least we were being listened to. Maybe there were some things that I didn't agree with the answers, but at least I felt if, that if we had a, had a forum.
2: center um, that was enough for us. That
0: would be an easy decision. And that may come in the future. All right, yeah, before I mean, we I, I, wrap up this year's show, any topics
1: that we did not hit that you guys wanted to bring
0: up? What's, what's going on there? Gonna, hey, go who's on. talking? That was, a, that was a weird, that was a weird, like, all right, five your minutes almost out. yeah Yeah, your mic was almost, like, out of that for a second. Um, so I think that there was a gathering at Rocky's booth at the end of this sh- day four with a spirited discussion. I only see, saw a little bit of video of uh, Carlito's speech. That was a CRA. And anybody else yeah. attend this and can report on uh, what this was all about is it just was more a
6: CRA or... meeting that I missed?
0: We general, meeting.
6: general, oh, okay, um, CRA meeting that that was actually executed poorly.
5: Okay, I was gonna say, look up last year's meeting and repeat
0: <laughs> and the year okay. before, yeah, yeah, okay, got yeah. it, yes. All right, so we already kind of talked about uh, you know, date change, New Orleans, all that kind of stuff, so I don't think we need to go over that again, you know. Since we and somebody has a different topic they want to bring up, but just going forward, are there any must changes that the PC needs to make for for upcoming shows?
4: Well, we talked about one. I mean, you know, we, Abe and I talked about this on Saturday too. the uh, The idea of uh, the media guys were paying to get in, and there are media guys who are not paying to get in, mm-hmm. and it's not fair. It's just not fair. And it, it seems it's been a problem every year. This year, it seemed to be get a lot more attention at the media pro- conference, but but it's definitely a problem. I mean, it's, well, it's not fair that we're paying to get in and other people just, could just get a, a badge and walk right in and, and start start getting time with manufacturers and stuff like that. I, I don't think it's fair.
1: One of the things that kind of echo on that, Coop, is I think this is the first year I saw a lot more retailers who are also doing, and this is not directed at Mike, but um, there's a lot more retailers that are doing their own brand of in, in sort of in-shop media. So they're doing a podcast or they're doing a video cast. No issues with that. It's, except they're paying that to get
4: in. At least they're paying to get they're in. They're paying
1: yeah. to get in. But yeah. I think that's going to present some really? challenges for us as strictly being media going forward because there were certainly some examples where um, retailers going into a booth to talk retail and that transition into a media session – and so now we're kind of in an uncomfortable zone of, you know, media is competing with retailer media. Um, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal this year, but you can definitely see where that trend is sort of going. That's, because-
7: a, that's a general trend, John, because what's happening is so many more retailers are just taking control of their own social media. Mm-hmm. So they're asking you to make these short little videos say, Hey, such and such has come to so-and-so shop, please do this, blah, blah, blah. Check it out. Boom, boom, boom. Um, I I found most of them to be very light because most of those guys, they didn't want a lot of time. They really wanted like 30 seconds, 60 second kind of clips. Um, So um, it's, it's, it's going to become more challenging. Look, there were a few, like we just added a UK importer on. Right. And I had to say, I had to say to him, listen, I want to do a good job for you and me doing it here right now. Isn't good. Let me go back from the trade show. I will make you, you know, five or six clips talking about the brands you brought into the UK, and and I'll send you the, them to you in a couple of weeks. So part of that too is us as manufacturers saying no, we can't really do this right here, right now, and saying but then following up with them and doing them after the fact. Because I mean, I obviously if if a guy like Mike wants me to promo something that he's going to put up on his Instagram page, it behooves me to do that, right? So. But it is, it is hard to juggle them in the middle with everybody, you know, ducking in and getting in the middle of videos and giving you a hug and boom, boom, boom. And it's like, oh, I didn't know you were, you know, it is. But everybody has a camera in their pocket. Yeah. Everybody's uh, doing this stuff now. And I I don't see how we're going to turn the clock back on that. Yeah. I don't think what Coop's talking about. I think what Coop's talking about is the retailers that share badges with influencers that they shouldn't be retailers
1: sharing. manufacturers retailers, manufacturers,
7: yeah. manufacturers i mean look I'm out. you it? didn't let me finish retailers or manufacturers <laughs> I, I see it okay yeah. but right. uh, i mean but that's also that's up to us look uh we we can control that right i i, I know i look i had a couple consumers right chris Duque's there right every year he works like a dog in the booth this year i had jason at the booth jason was there all three days working like a dog. So part of it's too, you picking the right people say, okay, this guy's worth a badge because he's really going to hum. But there are people that just give badges away willy-nilly to
5: people that they shouldn't. Which once again goes back to the conversation group and I had earlier. This has been an ongoing thing since the beginning of time. Retailers getting in who didn't really pay their dues. Manufacturers getting in who didn't pay their dues and selling shit out of duffel bags and making side means and stuff. This is, I think, just part of any exhibition or trade show. I don't think there's anything, you know, if we're going to no. complain about something or focus on it, going to be a resolve. I don't think there's a real resolve here on the behalf of PSA, uh, the PCA. People are always going to find a way to scam. Manufacturers or retailers are going to hook up a friend or hook up a buddy. It's just it just, it's going to happen. The difference is you're a legitimate guy. The whole industry knows you. When you come in, you set a precedent. When Johnny come lately, blow with fake badge, doesn't get that treatment. I
4: understand that's that. That's a difference. But, that's but a there's, difference. A huge, there's a huge cost difference is where I'm going with. Um, and why don't I maybe next year just go to Rocky Patel and ask for badges? I, I,
5: listen to me. me. Listen to yeah. me. I got that. I got a huge cost difference, too. But yeah. I guarantee you, yeah. Johnny come lately, Joe Blow, who, who couldn't afford a badge, is not making revenue like uh, you guys yeah. are also making on the industry as well. I mean, it's right. all relative. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, the PCA can only do so much. I'm not saying that uh, they shouldn't be allowed in. They definitely shouldn't be allowed in, but is it really controllable?
4: I don't know.
5: Can we control it? Cause if it really isn't
4: controllable, then what, what are we waiting for? I don't think the PCA oh. wants to be in that business of controlling it either. I, I totally no, get
5: it. I was on the board. No, listen, I was on the board and the three years we were on the board, we tried to set a definitive guideline and who from the media. Listen, I was there on the board. In fact, it was my tenure on the board when we finally decided to legitimize the media and give them a pass instead of them just sneaking in. Let's just let them give them a standard. Let's let's make a, 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 a what was required to consider you to be official media and whatnot. I think they want to. It's just not that easy to patrol at the end of the day because someone's, listen, I see it in the great smoke. I see consumers coming in and people coming in. They're just getting in passes. With other people, they're just hanging out. I mean, it's just, there's only really so much to be done. At the end of the day, though, I think there's a testament to guys like you and Aaron and Don and the legitimate guys who have paid their dues. And that is felt when anytime you walk into somebody's booth like Pete or, you know, Steve or somebody where you're recognized when you're going to get a certain level of respect and accommodation at the time of day where Joey Blow lately you know wannabe blogger with a gurkha badge is trying to get an interview you know i i i I just think there's a balance to that at the end of the day
0: any other must changes
3: i think the aisles got a little hokey at the end they weren't really all in line which was kind of strange yeah turn into like this at at the at the tail end of the uh at the tail end of the pca so i mean That should probably be in unison, you know, to some degree because then people get stuck behind someone else and they disappear. I did see that. Um, Yeah. I noticed there
0: was some booths where like, uh, you know, they might've had a back wall and the next booth right behind them had the same design where they were like just that long row with a back wall. And like you, unless you like walked right down that aisle and peeked around the corner, you wouldn't even know they were there.
3: Yeah. You got to kind of make those things. But I think
0: that's really hard to coordinate with people to like know what their layout is going to be. And you know, know who's going to block who and kind of things you like max that. amount
3: of space for coverage. And yeah. Tell them this is how you got to lay it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we had an issue with uh, Padrone where the booth in front of them built these high towers and uh, they weren't very happy about that. So we put some signs direct into the Padrone booth. I mean, people could find the Padron booth, <laughs> but still, uh, you know, th- that was an issue that rose up. So Blinking the lights <laughs> in
8: yeah uh, that's,
7: oh, but there nice. is a height limitation right i mean it's it's well printed i think so i mean i don't know why Pedro can play because i think their booth is over the height limitation so they're already tall
0: uh any wish list items for future shows that maybe not a must change but something that you'd like to see happen i like i'd like to see it be in a summer just
3: kidding. <laughs> I was about to say, hey, let more random uh, media Oh, uh,
4: yeah. you were just gonna make me very happy. <laughs>
2: uh, more Ricola at uh booth.
7: You yeah, ran out right. ran out way too quick. Dude, I think we've been known now everyone knows where to come and get a Ricola. Yeah. So we have to you need yeah. you need to go to them and ask
5: for a sponsorship. Let's yeah, we're ready. gonna we're
7: gonna get, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna triple the Ricola next year
5: yes <laughs>
3: yeah. there was Ricola I had no idea
7: was <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm, at least a thousand Ricola. people did know and that was uh, we went through a lot of Rocola this year I think <laughs> <laughs> a lot more.
0: all right I think we're at the end unless somebody has anything else that we didn't cover um, all right I want, gentlemen I want to thank you all for joining us tonight I know uh, we went uh, we're nearing the three hour mark and it's uh, late for the East Coasters and you're all tired of getting back from the trade show but it's very appreciated that you joined us um we had pretty much this very same panel from last year uh wanted to have you all back and you know really you know go over this we had such a good time last year and i think we've kind of topped that even uh again this year so again from john and i thank you guys all for for, for joining us tonight no uh, thanks for having us absolutely thank you um for all the viewers thank you for tuning in i hope uh you know there was a ton of people from the industry chatting in the comments. So I think that uh, there were a lot of people that were interested in seeing what was going to be said about on the, on the show tonight. So I hope everybody had a good time uh, watching or, you know, watching it recorded listening podcast. Uh, And there's a ton of good info here. So um, hopefully, you know, things that we brought up um, about uh, helping for future shows or companies going to their show, they'll find something uh, educational here and and helpful. So again, thank you to everybody that uh, was on the show or watched the show. Uh, and hopefully we can do this all again next year if you guys are all willing to do it. So, um, thank you all have a great night and, uh, we will talk to you all soon.